0: Alright, this is Milky. And this is Bilby. Welcome back to your scene. Fuck yeah. Ah, man, what an episode. It was so dope to sit down with Wolsey on this one and talk all things from Hippopotamus Rex, his early influences into hip-hop, the DMCs, Ill Format, and all the exciting stuff yet to come. He's an absolute legend in the scene and we're so grateful for him giving us his time for this episode. So as always, thanks for tuning in. If you click play, you're a bloody legend. Let's get into it.
1: So, Bilby, what's yeah. on the new release front, brother? Yeah, fucking oath. Well, uh so I'm pretty sure we've actually spoken on this before um when it first released, but this track by Patterson um through Shire Records produced by Insidious yep. called, I'm pretty sure it's called The Incantation, mm-hmm. that just released on all the streaming platforms. So you can go hit that up. It's probably one of my favorite songs this year. I'm Fuck just yeah. going to put it out there. Shoutouts, Patterson and Insidious. Uh, TDB had a, had a new single. I think it just dropped called Run That. It's on all the streaming services. Um Helen Earth released a new clip for Sedative off her new album, Gehenna. I hope I'm saying that right. We actually looked up how to pronounce it <laughs> and it came up with both Gehenna and Johanna. So who knows? But yeah. Yeah. Hit that up. It's on the, I think it's on her YouTube channel. Uh, Mogwai and Wise Guy released a new track called Glass featuring Hammy and L1. This is like such a big posse thing. Mm. Yeah, featuring Hammy and L1, produced by Businessman. It was also mixed and mastered by Businessman. Um, and that's out on all the streaming services, but they've also got a clip out on the Who Knows? YouTube channel filmed by Kyle Golly, filmed and edited, I guess, by Kyle Golly. Yeah. Right. Um, I dropped a one take and if you haven't been tuning into those on the rabbit cave YouTube channel, me and the homie, the primitive one have started this new one take series. So as it stands at the moment, the primitive one did the first one and I've done the second one. It's all produced by the big man himself. Uh, Yeah, go hit it up. Check it out. Insidious released the new 45 featuring Lazy Grey. Um, You can hit up the physicals on the lesser-known Big Cartel or the Shire Records Bandcamp if they're still available when this episode airs. I'm not sure if they will be. I think it's running low at the moment. So, yeah. Uh, Lazy also released Jesus Peace on the streaming services, which is mental. If you haven't heard it, it's his new single that he released. It all gets a bit confusing for mm. me with these new Lazy Gray, like tracks and shit. Cause he's released a whole bunch of shit mm. in like a month. Yeah. Yeah. Um,
0: yeah, well, that, that was a seven inch with, um, walking through the drive through. Yeah.
1: That's it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah, yeah. it's available now on streaming services. Produced by Sandro. Yep. If you missed the physical, you can still hear it, and I highly recommend. Uh, And finally, finishing it off, this one's a bit weird. It's not music, (sighs) but Mourn's released the skateboards for his new album, True North. There's two different designs. And you can hit those up. Just go to, I don't know, his Instagram or something. He'll have it somewhere. Mm. Um, yeah, mental. He's been doing it for pretty much every album for the past like, I don't know, four albums, I think. But yeah. Chrissy Prezi's. If you're a skater, yeah, go go hit that up. And uh and Milky, tell us, give us the good news on the <laughs> yeah. on the Milky's cops. Yeah, it's not a hate. From the last episode, following
0: up a couple as well. The uh the latest Miles Ago 45 arrive. That yep. cast AUST. Fuck yeah. And also, I spoke on this previously, but yeah, the missing piece of the Miles Ago puzzle for me. I was able to get a copy of Barroning Stoney's Lyrical Luncheon. Fuck yeah. So yeah, I'm on five from five now. So yep. Just nice. Gotta, just got to keep on top of it. Yep. Topping off the year. That's it. Uh, yeah, what you just said, the latest release from Lazy Grey on Lesser Known with the 7-inch produced by Insidious with the tracks Words Eternal and Fork in the Road." Yeah. Has and that come yet? Or you've just ordered nah, it? No, I just got an email today, so yep. it'll probably come this week, hopefully. Yeah, meant. And yeah, the hood's re-release was state-of-the-art for the 10-year anniversary. Yeah, which is a red vinyl. Red,
1: 180 gram, yep. 40, cut on 45 Yeah, 5 yeah. yeah. Yeah, and that is uh, Chris. Shout out to Crispy. <laughs> uh, also picked it up, and it just came today. So yeah. him and I were just listening to it before. Oh fuck yeah! After this, we're probably going to go have a have a listen to it as well. Yeah, sounds good. Fuck yeah! Word. All right. So, this
0: episode for the season one grand finale, we've been blessed to have an absolute legend in the Rabbit Cave studio. Fucking oath. He has a monthly spot on Hippopotamus Rex with Ronan on PBS FM. He's one third of the newly formed collective Ill Format, a DJ, turntablist and straight up local hip hop hero. The motherfucking Australian DMC champion... The Great Wall of Melbourne, the seven-foot assassin, DJ Wolsey. Welcome, man, and thanks for coming on the show. Cheers,
2: man, thanks for having us. What a <laughs> fucking intro that was. Yeah,
1: fucking <laughs> oath, Man, straight up. Coming, like, straight out of the gate, we need to know where the name Wolsey comes from.
2: Um, It was pretty unoriginal, and, like, <laughs> it didn't take me until a few... first few years, I liked it, and then I ended up hating it after the fact. Um, Because when I started, I was getting lessons of from Rob Swift. Yeah. And he said in some doco somewhere that he wanted a, a name that was sort of relatable to his actual name, so he didn't it wasn't a complete alias. It was like you know, like hence Rob Swift, his first name's actually Rob. Yeah. Um like my last name's Wall. Yeah. So mm-hmm. that was okay. just sort of something that was thrown around by, you know, like my old man and yeah. and mates and shit. As a kid, so it was pretty unoriginal, and like I still hate it. Like a few mates of mine <laughs> dig it for that reason, but I still like. I wish I you know came out with something sick, like you know like DJ Assassin or something, <laughs> yeah. you, know, you know something yeah, a bit more yeah. aggressive. In hindsight, but no, nah, it's cool, it is what it is. But it's fucking unimaginative. Yeah, as... I feel like
1: a lot of people's names come from yeah like, I think somehow related story. Yeah,
2: yeah. So it's I mean it's it's
0: you know it is what it is. But I've come too too late. Yeah. It's too late now to go yeah. back to change anything <laughs> else, you know. Yeah, true that. So you have been pretty busy the past few weeks with Ill format shows, Festival X, Season of Change number thirty-four, and just this past weekend with the Hippopotamus Rex fifteen-year anniversary. Yeah, man, what a night that was. Yeah, fucking
1: oaf. oath. You we... boys
2: were both present. Yep, had dope, the pleasure of being there. Yeah. Thanks for yeah. coming down. Um, yeah, it's for always sure. good. You know, it's. I was saying to Ronan on on the night before it started, like. There are the odd weeks because of the setting it is and it's community radio and it's yeah. just, you know, us two doing it. Sometimes you sort of feel like you're doing it to maybe a handful of dudes that mm. you know are texting in or like a handful of people. Yeah. Um, but I mean on Saturday night that sort of proved that there were a lot of people that come or support the show yeah, and, and sure. obviously listen semi regularly or regularly or whatever. So yeah. that was it was really dope to see how many different crews and shit were, mm. you know, represented at that. That night,
1: yeah, yeah. So, I mean, how did that link up happen with Ronan? Um,
2: that was through through Heater, yeah. Um, yeah. it was, I think, maybe my second DMC. I I'd, I'd just sort of linked with Heater maybe a year previous. Uh, what at the first record store day at, at Union Heights, oh, yeah. And um, he came to the DMC that that next year, and beforehand. Um, before I went on, cause I was like pretty at this stage, like I wasn't sort of cocky, confident, wallsy that most people see <laughs> on stage now. Yeah. I, I was, it was only my second time entering. Um, I was still finding my feet and shit. So I was still, you know, nervous. I'd only done one other sort of battle related thing on stage ever at that point, which was the DMC the year before. Yeah. yeah. Um, and he had just said to me on a whim, like, oh, you know, a couple after the DMC, whatever, you know, come into the studio um with me and Bias um on an episode mm. and um, you know, like you should do a set, like whether it's a battle set or just mix, or whatever, come up with something and just do it on the show. So I went in and did that. Um, which was sick. I was, you know, trying to remain as chill as I was. As I like heading in there, cause bias obviously growing up around, yeah. you know, in a Hursty line and in a Belgrave line as a kid, um, bias was one of the first Aussie rappers mm. that I ever got into, as I think is most, a lot of people's yeah, yeah. case yeah. You know, in, in, in our areas. Um, so I was trying to sort of like stay chill, walking in the studio, and it's like, oh, you know, oh, hey man, Bias here, yeah, big fan, and then, and, and but like, fourteen year old Wallsy inside was just like, this oh, motherfucking Bias B, like, yeah. this is the the <laughs> shit, man. Like, I, I'm sort of w- wiping my, I'm done, I can retire now, <laughs> yeah. I'm happy, you know, yeah, 100%. um percent. But um, so after that, it sort of. He heater got back to me, I'm pretty sure, and just said, you know, do you want to come in and do monthly sort of slots? I asked yeah. Ronan, he thought it would be dope to sort of get a dude from the next gen coming up and, mm. and sort of back DJs a bit more. And, mm, and, yeah. and they were always those four guys that, that you know, like the the family of us, uh yeah. Slap 618, Deadly, Heater, and Ronan have always back to me as like a young since I was had never done dj sets and shit like that and mm. given me opportunities and recommended me when people have said oh who should we get for uh, the, all these shows um so when I was invited, when Ronan said you know yeah come through the do the show regularly mm. or, or on the monthly that was fucking awesome like fucking real dope for me cuz yeah i mean being being a dj i sort of took influences i guess from the local scene, sort of from slightly different spots than most dudes that maybe are producers or rappers do. I mean, for me, like DJ Chrissy was one of the absolute number ones. We've heard the fact that she did a similar thing, if not the exact same, what Stretch and Babido did in New York with, Mm. you know, these unsigned underground rappers that were dope at what they did, but weren't getting any opportunity to do it to a mass audience. And, and both Chrissy and Stretch and Roberto were the ones that helped do that. Mm. And Ronan, you know, in still is one of, if not the only show that pushes not just mm. local but international shit that yeah. yeah. the dudes that are into our scene and into boom bap stuff are gonna like. Yeah. Um. And it's it's to do it for fifteen years and to be really, for what it's worth, solo for the most of the time. Yeah. I mean, we. I I don't think I'm out of line and saying that we all us other four fill in where we can and outside it but it's it's been ronan's show for 15 years he's always been at the helm of it and week after week done it as a volunteer as well you know like volunteering his time always dropping new shit so um that was you know a real real you know sort of staple moment for me in my sort of dj career sort yeah. of thing when i hooked up with those dudes and they all wanted me to come on regularly yeah, yeah.
1: fucking earth and and like what you're saying like ronan's been doing this for 15 years in conjunction <sighs> with you guys as well um and like we always say this is why it's so important like for community radio to support community radio in any way that you can mm. you can help volunteer at pbs and yeah. like triple r as well huh um, yeah, just do your bit, yep. get yeah. in there, get amongst it. That's
0: it. So what's your process for putting together a set for Hippo Rex? Oh, it, it varies. I mean, there's certainly been
2: times where it's <laughs> like down to the minute of, I have to leave. <laughs> yeah. Otherwise I'm going to be late yeah. and, and I'm still sorting out shit yeah. or I'm in the studio. I've got maybe five tracks and I'm, I know I've got the, I've got 15 minutes worth of buffering time and yeah. I can just keep putting shit in my Cerato crate. <laughs> mm. Um, it, it honestly depends on how busy I've been doing yeah. with other stuff in the those weeks coming up in coming up to it mm-hmm. I always try and um find at least a couple of albums before I go on from month to month that are brand new that yeah. I actually rate and stuff yeah, like sure. that whether that be off you know digital or wax or whatever yeah. mm. um as well as try to I, or I almost always play something that it might be a recent release locally, whether it's come out on wax or something like that. Or if it's, if I've bought it and I've listened to it, if it's local stuff, I'll always play it that next week.
3: Um, but
2: excuse me, but it's, it, yeah, it, it varies. Mm -hmm. I've, yeah, I've had times when I've done shit completely on the fly. Um, and but I mean with wax, if I'm do, ever doing a wax set, that's normally fairly thought out. Yeah. Because I BPM all my records and, yep. and yeah, you know, sort of have a general thought about where I'm going with the mix. So
3: yeah,
2: um, but yeah, sometimes it takes me ages. Sometimes it. <laughs> And sometimes I'm real blatantly rude about we like sort of shoehorning songs in. Yeah, I'll do. It'll be the most rude mix ever that just doesn't work. (laughs) But I just have like I have to play this one one Mm. track, and Mm. um, thankfully there's not too much judgment that comes through. Like I've never really been called out
1: on much. Yeah, but I've done some terrible (laughs) mixes
2: on occasion. (laughs) Fuck.
1: Nah, but if it's to if it's to like support those artists. Yeah, as well, like what you're saying, getting their name yeah. out yeah, there and shit. Always. It's that's more important yeah. in a lot of ways, yeah. And yeah.
2: I, I think as well I was f- a fairly immature DJ when I was given that opportunity in the early days like mm. I didn't I, I was such a staunch battle DJ that I didn't really doing party sets or for mm. crowds. I was like, no, it's not interesting. I just want to beat everyone yeah. at, at scratching and juggling, and that's all I cared about. Yeah. So mm. I, taking that attitude into the radio station of going, like, I don't mm. give a fuck how the mix sounds or whatever, mm. as long as there's a rough beat mix, it's, it's that is what it is. I'm mm. playing it. Um, but as the years have gone on, I've definitely learned to respect party DJs a lot more and dudes that don't just do the technical side of, yeah, the, of yeah, stuff. Yeah. So I definitely now make sure that there's some form of mix, whether it's, a um, you know, a sort of key mix, like yeah. the two tracks are in similar keys or whatever or mm. whatever it may be. Yeah. Um, but yeah, because so, some of my early mixes and I've, I've listened back to on tape <laughs> are just fucking horrendous.
0: Yeah, well I was gonna ask, that was like my next question, like how much your um, Hippo Rex sets differ from live shows. It's um because
2: my pro my thought Process going into a radio show is it's not just about me and yeah. and being the DJ and yep. me getting all the shine in terms of doing technical stuff or doing mixes that are out of this world and quick mixing my way through stuff week after week. Because at the end of the day, the point, in my opinion, the point of the show is for us to give, uh, we've got a platform to expose new artists that we like and that we fuck with. Mm. To a, a greater audience and and give them some airplay, which, you know, there's a lot of artists that we play between the five of us that I have never heard on a, a Triple J or even a yeah. Triple R or, yeah. or anything, you know, else. So I know when I first heard mo- stuff that I had recorded played on the radio, mm. like that was...
1: Huge. You know,
2: know, and these days you're not curled around the radio, it's normally a laptop from the digital thing. But yeah, you know, you're sitting there with your mates and you hear your shit and then you hear Ronan announcing it after like that was El Format and you're like fucking (laughs) like he just said like our name and shit like that. So that was you know, it meant a lot to me. Um but whereas when I'm doing live shit and if it's a DJ set and I've got time to do like a mix, proper mix and stuff, I'll always try and show off a little bit and do juggling mm. and scratching a little mm. bit.
3: Okay.
2: Um and do quick mixing from time to time, but I'm still sort of getting my footing in that sort of stuff that's mm. like the stuff that Jay Red has yeah, yeah, yeah. you know taught me. Um but he is just the man at that. So I just sort of yeah. do that sort of shit in my bedroom a bit more and and sort of just, yeah, just try and play dope shit. Yeah.
1: yeah. Fuck yeah. Man, so taking it right back, like we've kind of just covered some very recent stuff. Mm. But yeah, taking it right back, we, um, we read somewhere that you were, when you were younger, you were influenced by like metal mm, yeah. and, and such.
2: Yeah. So like luckily... My when I was growing up, my my parents were both pretty really into music. My mum more so on the '80s like pop side. Like,
3: yeah.
2: I love Duran Duran because of my mum, and yeah. I know a lot of people don't fuck with Duran Duran. <laughs> yeah, I, like man, hungry like the wolf. That shit. That's that's yeah. my shit. Yeah, and um, so mum sort of gave me a lot of like that pop, the sort of pop and and Prince sort of sounding funk sort of stuff that I guess she liked. But my dad was all about guitar and it was just guitar heavy st- stuff. So Steve Vai, Joe Satriani, Pantera, yeah, right. Pink Floyd, um, you know, Australian Crawl, even to Aussie, you know, like acoustic guitars like Colin Hay and stuff like that was yeah. all that was sort of played uh, mm. at my house growing up. So all I wanted to do from, I think, you know, like nine or 10 years old when I when I sort of got fell in love with music was just play guitar or play drums. That's all I wanted to do. I like I had heard my dad had this sort of because you know the old school days of having the CD tower in yeah. the living room and shit like yeah. that, and there was sort of this section that was at the bottom that he'd always be concerned about when I'd go and look at, it. and that was his like handful of rap CDs, that yeah, was right. like the first few Ice T albums, yeah, maybe yeah. A, maybe a Public Enemy <laughs> album or something like that in there, but. It was big, it was only because the Home Invasion had a pair of tits on the cover and Mum wasn't was like I don't, I don't want that in the house, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, the youngins running around and all that sort of shit. But um, but yeah, so growing up, all I wanted to do was be a metal guitarist or, or a drummer. So it was just Pantera and then later on Metallica, Slayer, yeah. Anthrax, and then a lot of like. Northern European death metal and black mm. metal and all that sort of shit. That
1: fuck, that's I, hectic. I, that's getting oh right Oh man, into I it. love yeah. that
2: shit so much. And there's, it's, there's, I've only met two dudes really in our scene, like in the hip hop scene. Mm. Yeah. That when I've mentioned certain bands like Demu Borgir or Mashuga and shit yeah. like that, that really know what I'm talking about. And two of them, they're both in in my crew. Oh, well, I'm in their crew now. Yeah. Bonesy yeah. Two Blades. And um, Cade, one of the OG HG dudes, they're the only two dudes that I've met that are actually froth at like really dark black metal and shit. So if anyone hears this that's into fucking black metal and is ever at a show that I'm at, please come and fucking discuss it with me.
1: I actually used to listen to, I mean, like I wasn't ever, it was maybe like three years or something that I was listening to like metal and shit. But yeah, all my friends growing up were fucking well into it, really full on like yeah just doing hectic sweeps on the guitars just all day <laughs> sitting that's, there that's just doing all it I wanted to yeah, do and, yeah. I, and
2: like I was getting o- like okay at it before I sort of gave up and you know like discovered what weed was and yeah, yeah, you know, <laughs> yeah. That shit. so you know at that 15 year old mark you've or take yeah. a couple of years that it's sort of I was like oh there's other shit to do that I on a friday and saturday night and yeah. just sitting in there like looking at guitar instructional videos on yeah. youtube and trying to fucking copy all these ridiculous patterns um but yeah man that was that was my all the music that i was into was metal um, mm. o- almost like i've always had like snobby periods like that first 15 years of me liking music was just like mm. no metal rap no that's not metal so i don't fuck with it yeah but then it was when i started finding rap metal or rap rock hybrid stuff yeah that, yeah, that okay. sort of started like tony hawk pro skater yeah when i heard public enemy and anthrax to yeah. bring the, that bring the noise remix yeah i was like this is fucking sick like <laughs> i really like chuck d over that thing but i was just like this is this not anthrax what the fuck like yeah.
3: um
2: so that and then a big one for me was when lincoln park's first album came out hybrid theory that yeah. was that was a big one because like it had the riffage and shit that i like of, of metal and rock and all that but also had like Dudes rap- uh, that Mike Shinoda was rapping on it. Yeah. So that was really the start of me going, like, sort of starting to listen to that stuff and starting to fuck mm. with it. um And then it was, you know, later on in my teen years, getting to graph and, and sort of those other elements of the, you know, the mischievous elements of hip hop. Yeah. And then that's when I noticed that all these graph movies had like Wu Tang and and all and non fiction. In fact, it was the G H movie. I think it was that the Get Hectic, that first movie, that I was just like, I want every song that's in this fucking movie. I want on my fucking phone, and I just sit on the train, (laughs) like going to my grandma's house. Yeah, Ivanhoe, just like fucking yeah. Yeah.
1: (laughs) It just gets you fucking Uh, so
2: rolled up. Yeah, man. But um. Yeah, so it took me a while to come around to the whole to the whole hip hop thing in mm. my, in sort of my teen years. But
1: fuck. did you ever cop that track? Ah, um, oh fuck! What's his name? The singer from Rage Against the Machine,
2: Zach Della Rocker or Yeah, Rocha, yeah, yeah.
1: Him and KRS One and someone yeah, else did a track did, together.
2: Yeah,
1: I, I'm pretty sure
2: I've got it. It's on one of I think it's on one of those compilation uh, series on on Raucous Records or something oh. maybe. Um, like they did one with um oh there was that Moss Deaf and Pharaoh Munch joint. What was that? That was on Tony Hawk as well. There was that had that fucking weird real off time beat. Um but yeah, it was part of some compilation series, yeah, right. I'm pretty sure. I think I've got the 12, 12s. Oh, on that. I'm pretty sure I've shit. played it before. Yeah. There you go, yeah. You're gonna have to and he's, th- have that. And that dude, uh, dude's still making appearances in hip hop as well. Like around yeah. the Jewels too, they had Zach Delarocca on on a intro for one of the tracks and then have like a sample of his like no just shit like getting mashed on the mpc through the hook
1: fuck, and shit. that yeah. is so
2: good yeah man he's still around and i've heard rumors apparently they're getting back together and
1: apparently going to do a tour or some shit oh uh, shit that'd yeah. be that'd be dope it'd be good to see that mm. oath. maybe get dj wolsey up there Oh, <laughs> <Yeah. mate.
2: laughs> well, i've got a corner routine it's you know it's fucking i can do it fuck I yeah come up with a rage against the machine oh uh, yeah As I say that, I just think of all the Rage Against the Machine routines that I've heard in my life. And Mm. it's it's been, they've been absolutely pillaged. Yeah. Like all their big joints. And then defeats the purpose of doing it if it's not one of their big joints. If you have to do a deep cover. Yeah. Like it's, yeah. But, oh, fuck, man, that'd be a dope show to go see.
1: Yeah. True that. So where did, where did the shift, I mean, you were saying like around 15 or so, like you were getting into the graffiti and stuff. Where did the turntablism come into? Oh,
2: man. That wasn't until like, it it popped up once when I was real young, and then didn't. It sort of lay dormant in me for a long time until I had money and you know, I, I was out of school and was working and stuff and had disposable income and shit. Yeah. Um, but I remember, like as I said, that Lincoln Park Hybrid Fury album. There was like I remember always hearing like little bits of scratching on a few of the songs and shit. Yeah. And my my uncle uh, was a DJ like uh, until he was a promoter, which is what he does now. But yeah. Um. So I was always so I think subconsciously I was into it as maybe it was a way to like me and my uncle could like, yeah, if I can get into DJing or turntables yeah. together or some shit, hmm. I remember asking somebody, maybe him or my parents or something for turntables when I was like 11 or 12, whatever year that Lincoln part. And it's like, are you fucking kidding me? Like a green <laughs> yeah. beach, like you're taking the piss. No yeah. way." And then I didn't think anything of it until years later, um, after, you know, getting into hip hop and shit and then discovering how big, uh, the DJ, play uh, the bigger role that DJ played in it in the in the era that I was attracted to the yeah. 90, you know from the mid 80s mm. to the or you know even early 80s to really the jiggy era I mean I still love hip-hop and underground yeah. stuff now but really the DJ's pr- prominence in hip-hop yeah. during that era was so much more than it, what it is today 100 percent um so then it was like that and then discovering videos of like rock Raider and shit like that. And then I remember thinking like, Oh yeah, I've always wanted to do that. And a mate, I think lent it, lent me a turntable for a while and I still had picked it up. And he, I remember just thinking like, Oh, he's sick at it. Like in hindsight, he was pox. Yeah. Like, <laughs> but remember just thinking like, he's sick. Like that's I need to practice heaps. And then it's like three months. I, like he was, you know, we didn't catch up for a while and he came back around and I was like, Oh, this is what I've been doing. And, it was so much better than the shit he was doing, and I was like, "I oh, fucking got something here." And then it just snowballed, yeah. From from there,
1: yeah, fucking hectic. I mean, it's sort of like similar around here. I am not a scratched AJ, mm. but when you or Chris, yeah, hear me like scratch, and you're like, "Damn, what yeah. the fuck?" Are you d-? and I'm like, "I don't even know what I'm, I don't even know what I'm doing." My hands are just like moving, like I don't yeah. know any of the cuts that I'm doing. Yeah, I well, me, name even me, man,
2: like even I do. You know, like I, I, on the odd occasion post up little clips of some of the more tech stuff that I do. Yeah. And, um, half the shit that I'm doing, I don't know what the actual term is. Yeah. Like I just, just I've just seen somebody else do it and and gone, fuck that cut's sick. And then tried to do my version of it. And it's always, I can never, I'm really bad at learning mimicking cuts. I can't, like my brain's got a disability. Like to hear it. To hear it and and then then do it exactly how they do it. I can never get it right. Yeah, I always sad. end up accidentally sounding different. Yeah. And it, like at the start of my like when I started scratching, I hated it because I was watching instructional videos where Q or D Styles would do like four bars of this is how the cut yeah. is. And then I'd sit there and go, why doesn't mine sound like <laughs> that? This is <laughs> mm, fucked. Mm. And then for, I, that's why I ended up juggling for like two years or three years before I took scratching seriously. Yeah, like, right. Because I was like, this is fucked. Like, it makes it look so easy, It was mm. so disheartened with scratching, and then it, it all sort of I was sort of forced into getting good at scratching. Um, because my juggles were so far ahead, I think, of what a lot of other people in the country at in the competition were doing. Yeah. That when I a few guys had seen my potential in the juggling, they were like, man, if you learn how to fucking scratch, you'll you'll eventually be able to fucking win this yeah. thing. Yeah. Um and thankfully, I I listened. I was I chose not to be stubborn at that mm. point, which is a rarity for me because mm. anyone who knows me knows that I'm fairly rigid. In if I don't want to do something, I just I just fucking won't do it. Now. Yeah. <laughs> like, but yeah. So luckily, you know, scratching it's it's one of those things where even if I'm jamming with dudes or whatever, I don't even basic scratches and shit. I won't sit there and go, oh, what's that combo is this into this into this and mm. like. I just go, oh man, those little wiggly things that you were doing there, like they're fucking sick, or you know, like, or just like mouth weird patterns, as if it's a rapping sort of like a phrasing sort yeah. of a thing, you know? Yeah, like yeah, it's, yeah. Yeah, I, I get lost in that nerdery, and I'm a, I, am I consider myself a scratch nerd, but there are dudes that are way worse than me. And yeah, they're like, you know, like it's a very internet. Um, I like the scratch community is very internet based and yeah yeah uh, as in all internet based communities <laughs> there are internet based personalities that yeah. are you know maybe a little hard to understand why they say the things that they say and whatever there's some fairly interesting characters in the uh scratch community yeah but yeah that's near the any but no one wants
0: to hear about the fucking fucking politics of nah, scratch too, nerdery <laughs> that's what it's all about yeah <laughs> So I guess back on the early days, did you dabble in any other elements? Um, graph and um,
2: graph production and DJing were yeah. really the only three things that I thought that I I would be any good at. Yeah. Um, or graph probably more wanted to be good at. Not mm-hmm. I was pretty pox, with, hence yeah. why I sort of had a little phase of doing being pretty active, and then I just quickly faded out because i quickly was like oh man there's guys in my crew and shit like Crave, for instance that are Mm. you know doing shit week after week that's just fresh and i've sort of was going more in the music sort of direction um but yeah like gave production a crack went to sae you know like as a young and to try and learn a bit more about recording and like sonically what what goes on and um sort of didn't get a whole lot out of it, to be Mm. honest, other than like that thing on the resume that says I could do it. But then it was, it was quickly after that, that I sort of had this realization of, right, I should just keep my creative shit as a hobby or, you know, like for DJ gigs, if I get paid dope, but like, don't rely on that as a source of income and then have something that I do enjoy doing as a like career, whether it be a trade or an office job or whatever. And have that as my source of income Um, because I don't think I'm, like like I'm driven when I want to be but I don't think I'm particularly driven to where I could do a, have a creative lifestyle and live yeah. like that yeah. I I like to have that security of like I'll sit there and be the worst complainer about bitching having to get up early for work and yeah. whatever I'll complain yeah. the whole time but I I think that's definitely having them separ- separate yeah. um d- doesn't kill my love Mm. for for it because there have been times in the past where like I've been getting heaps of gigs, particularly with DJing like shows and stuff that I don't necessarily, aren't invested in because Mm. it's not a hip hop show.
3: Yeah,
2: It's, you know, just DJing at at bar, this bar playing whatever the modern sort of shit is for two, three hours and getting paid Mm. somewhat decently, but for what we're doing, fucking awesome really in hindsight, but it's, i stand there for four or five hours and just going like oh this is shit yeah and then you're getting requests from people and then, <laughs> like people just I, I mean it's an instant no just yeah. regardless and you yeah. end up having an argument with somebody and yeah. then everyone's always friends with the owner or mates with the manager yeah. and, and <laughs> yeah. so it's I, I just don't i don't bother really i don't mm. chase cash at all mm. with my sets if it comes and it's a good gig or whatever I like the festival x thing that was yeah. presented to me and i jumped at that yeah, uh, fairly hesitantly jumped i might add but i yeah. did ju- i did jump at it um but um yeah the money thing's not i like to have something separate to keep me sane yeah. because even during dmc practice leading up to that doing 10 hours of practice yeah. a day like I'd, I'd take off days from work to practice for the nationals and shit. Uh. And that would just like at the end of ten hours, and you think you're standing there just scratching all day, but it's mentally, oh, yeah. it's just takes such a toll. So it's good after the DMC, you just it's the biggest relief of, yeah, you want to work like you want to go back to your job and actually <laughs> yeah. just do normal shit and mm. not think about turntables for a little bit.
1: It is so the mental thing, especially yeah. when you're by yourself, just like at home, like you have no communication outside of yeah, fuck that.
2: No, nah, man, do it's, it. it's it's it's. I mean, it's some people, like, luckily I, for whatever reason, was bitten with the bug real early if I knew that's what I wanted to do, eventually get to with DJing, like Mm. that national title. And really, like, I've always, my goal has always been to get three national titles, like, ideally back-to-back-to-back. So the next two years are big ones for me because um, that was what the dude that I look up to the most in, in, I guess, uh, the local battle scene, Stain One from Adelaide. Mm because he was like a tall dude like me who I'd see hunched over the turntables. um, And he would always have these ill juggle patterns and shit, but like really relevant to the time in aggression and shit and was such a staunch cunt on the turntable. Mm. So that was who I really wanted to be. And it, it, luckily that uh, finding that inspiration early on, I was willing to go through those hours of being completely solo at your house doing it or you know even saying to mates like yeah you can come over but i'm doing this the entire time you're going to be here and i'm going to be a rude cunt you're not going to hear from me except for like smoke breaks during when you're practicing
1: and shit but you really gotta like like take it as a job man absolutely
2: like my my thing there it is um (laughs) my thing that me that me and my crew on my turntables crew always sort of discuss the battling thing of is it's the sport element of it because somebody said in one of the early turntable docos of it's the olympics of of djing yeah so all i'm thinking is from a basketball perspective cuz i'm a massive nba head yeah. of like that old thing of like larry bird trying to beat magic johnson of He's sitting there practicing and thinking like, well, if I stop now, magic's probably going to be going for another hour, so I have to go for another two two hours. Yeah. And then once you get to that end of it, you're like, well, this motherfucker's probably like in the ex- thinking the exact same thing. So I've got to push, and and that's why like the la- the two uh, there were two key years that I pushed really hard and was doing like ten hour days on the yeah. tables leading up to it, and it was it was fucking. Hindsight, it was fucking mm. hell. But I do it to myself every year. I'm like, yeah. I'll never do that again. I'll ne- I'll always like pr- start the process earlier and practice for a longer time period, yeah. so I don't have to cram. But I just get paranoid that in those last days that whoever the dude is on my tail or whoever the dude that I'm trying to knock off the throne is putting in a lot more time than mm. me. So yeah. I tried to push myself a lot.
1: Fucking hectic.
2: Sorry, man. we've. Pre- I think we got off the question. Nah, not quite so, a while
1: not, ago. Not fuck. at all. We can we can go off topic yep. as much as it happens. <laughs>
0: so I was taking it back again, uh, we understand Jay Red was an early mentor for yeah. you. Yeah, was How, a big one. How'd that sort of come together?
2: Um, well, again, it's sort of been a. It, it, luckily. I've had sort of a lineage of of mentors sort of through through various aspects of DJing. And I mean Jay Red was one of the earliest ones for the battle, the battle thing. Um I think that really the first connection there was after like because he always judges the Vic DMCs and the Nationals. And I think I just seen him and obviously loving lyrical commission mm-hmm. when I first got in Aussie hip hop and yeah. shit like that. Um, as soon as I got into turntablism was just like, Oh, this custom mate joint is fucking sick. Those cuts are fucked. Yeah. Um, and then, so just meeting him at DMCs and shit, and then eventually sort of mustered up the courage, I think, to ask like, Oh, we should jam sometime, you know, or mm. whatever. And then, um, I can't remember where we've probably first linked up, but we started jamming a bit together and, and sort of, he helped me, a lot with some routines and stuff early mm. days and preparing stuff for various stages of of DJing um because it's a, another thing that a lot of people in the hip hop scene forget is that while he's a phenomenal you know he's a world champ yeah. in the battle scene he's also done a lot of large scale um party rocking sets and and actual DJ sets you know like running madisms at laundry bar in the in i think it was like the early 2000s well yeah. before my era but it was like a regular um, hip hop or an R and B sort of club night that yeah. he ran with all local dudes that ran for years and would pack absolutely pack out.
1: Yeah, right. Um,
2: and a lot of dudes that uh, you know from the table are seen like that. I sort of look up to and sort of went eventually when I speak to them about oh what was it like going up? They're like oh man we used to go down to Madisms and J Red and Select and all these dudes would be DJing down there. Wow. Um, so it's he. It was always a good source of information and, and any regards of DJing. Um, but obviously the battle shit was, was what attracted me and wanted to learn off him. Um, sorry, back to the point of how that actually came about. Um, I think it was through Frank, uh, oh, 618, uh, when I first started buying wax off of Union Heights, he mm. the first gig I ever got was doing record store day at his yep. uh, at his shop. Uh, I think it was this, man maybe the second one he did or the first yeah. one he did. Yeah, I was there. I I did that and like got put on the bill with Heater and then I think maybe red, eventually Red came down or something like that. But I ended up meeting Trim and a few other yeah. dudes. So that that Frank was the, the, I guess the first sort of olive branch that then. Mm a lot of guys I got introduced to through him and then it sort of spilled out uh, through that. But yeah, I mean, it was the hippo Rex dudes, like I said before, Frank Ronan and Heath really at the early days. And then of course, deadly later on. Um, but they all sort of, I think word got around. Oh, well, this was dude's like scratching a bit and shit like that. And he's keen and whatever. And, um, I think Jared saw that I was super keen on pushing for a title and stuff like that. So he, um, yeah, like open his doors and let me, you know, learn off him here and there. And uh, I like to think sometimes that I've taught him a thing or two about certain things. Maybe a few juggles here or there, here or there. But yeah. um, you know, like it's 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 hard to show a dude that's done that much. You know, like yeah, he's done that. phenomenal amounts of DJing, man, and and just seeing him mix even at his studio when he's comfortable and he's just sort of doing it and zoning out. Like it's. You'll never see anything like it. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. Unfortunately, we had to bounce from the Hippo Rex, yeah, uh, thing before J Red played, but I saw a couple of clips. Yeah. It yeah. looked like it was going fucking off. Yeah,
2: man, he did very well on the yeah. night. Very well. Those speakers certainly copped a. Yeah. Uh, they definitely uh, <laughs> yeah, they were belting did. during the Jay Red set. I think they. Um,
1: I think they were copping it the whole time. Yeah, they they were fucking, they fucking, they
2: fucking were. Shoutouts to Roscoe because Sheriff <laughs> Roscoe was just like on the ear patrol yeah. all night. Like, go, <laughs> yeah, it's oh, yeah, it popping a little bit. Him and Deadly were, were hot on it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's popping a little bit. Like. It was a bit fiddly doing that without a booth monitor as well. Yeah, Not true. Not that the booth monitor would have helped because yeah. it would have just probably made it louder yeah, for you... us and we wouldn't have heard shit. Yeah,
1: but... true. Man, you wouldn't have actually been able to hear all that much. I oh, think. man, we,
2: it, was, it was all through the headphones. Yeah. True. Um, because we had sacrificed the uh, one of the outputs for something. I can't remember what we were doing, but, yeah, we didn't have an extra out for, for the but booth because they were RCAs and the only ones that were available on the mixer were... Um, Oh, whatever the thicker ones are. What are the next the TRS. ones? TRS. TRS, TRS. Yeah. I should know that, geez. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, they were TRS. So I, I, like it was, you had to do the whole thing in your headphones and it was pretty tricky. But yeah. like, you know, didn't bother Jared at all. Yeah. So, you know, as as I'm sure you saw in the videos, man. Uh, yeah. That dude's a murderous dude on the turntables.
1: Absolutely. Man, speaking of, can you please explain to? Because we might have some people out there listening who may not know exactly what the difference is between turntablism and DJing or like mixing. Yeah. Um, and I figured you'd be able to put it into really, really yeah. Good words. I mean,
2: like DJing at its core is just you know mixing two or mi- mixing multiple records together seamlessly, so that the BPMs match and you keep the dance floor going. That's I mean, DJing is all about doing it for the people that are there dancing and the people that are paying you know, people that are buying drinks, people that are making your employer money, yeah. you know? So you, and there's been plenty, and this is why I was so nervous about the festival thing is because I don't come from that background. I was worried about playing the wrong thing and just people going, what the fuck is this track? And then yeah. just clearing the floor. Um, So that's the sort of, that that's de- quote unquote DJing. Yeah. Turntableism, while there are people that do turntablism in their sets and stuff like that, turntableism in itself is, Making uh, either I need to break down scratching and juggling to give you the proper answer. Beat juggling is live remixing of of existing songs or songs that you produce or whatever, but songs that are already existing, live remixing them with the turntables. Yeah. And scratching is. The I guess the attempt at musicality, mm. uh, musical side with notes and patterns and that, and that kind of syncopated sort of thing. So it's it's really the attempt of making music or making a, a DJing a performance. But it's, I mean, it's getting very like blurred these days because there are a lot of dudes that are sort of hard, will do half- and half, yeah. Um, but like to me, turntableism, I turntableism comes from battling and the technical aspect of it, yeah. And you know, like doing the seeing who has the better juggle patterns or the better flips of what songs and whatever like that. Um, but turntableism isn't in itself is technically separate than the battle battle side of it. So there are a lot of dudes that are phenomenal turntablists that have never battled, that get worldwide acclaim as turntablists, but their style of turntablism isn't necessarily a battle style because for instance, there's a guy, uh, I can't remember his name. He's anyway, European dude. I can't think of his name, but he does, uh, he's built fader boxes into synths. So the turntables are actually sending like Serato messages into his computer that's sending it to hardware synths and manipulating various aspects of actual hard synths. So that musical sort of stuff that a lot of guys are doing now in the Euro scene, Mm. that sort of stuff isn't suited to a a battle sort of thing, you know? Like you don't really have time to do that sort of stuff when you've got a time limit and this dude's just dissed you and dissed your crew and shit like that, you know, to counter with something fairly musical and experimental would just be ludicrous. Yeah. Um. So that's the where I think a lot of the, the modern turntablism stuff is going now. It's going down a super musical route and a hmm. lot more technology is being used in conjunction with the turntables, yeah. um, which is dope, but it's, it's almost like the turn, which is cool. A lot of people will say that it's, it's dope that turntablism is eclipsing the battle scene and the battle culture. Yeah. But I mean, in my opinion, a lot of the routine, I've seen fewer routines recently in recent years at the, from DMC and the IDA battles and stuff like that, that are as memorable as ones that I saw in the, from videos in the nineties or the two thousands and stuff like that. So mm. turntablism is, is, is at a place where it's, never been before and it's getting ridiculous with the, t- the technology yeah. and stuff but battle culture and what people are doing and pushing to try and do new juggle patterns or innovative stuff mm. it's it's becoming rarer and rarer in the battle scene so it's 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 a weird time with the the whole dj culture or this aspect of dj culture because yeah talking about turntablism and stuff like that, a lot of this stuff is so far removed from the general world of DJing, like your you know, like your Carl Cox DJs and Calvin Harris and all that sort of shit. It's DMCs was something that was taken seriously in the eighties and early nineties for by that scene and then quickly faded away as it got became, I think, too technical or whatever. Yeah. It's sort of, I think DJing and turntablism sort of the, the scenes kind of separated a bit. Mm. They're definitely yeah. a bit more together now with guys like DJ craze and a track who are all previous world champions from the DMC doing a lot in the actual DJ community, like yeah. worldwide DJ community, but it's, um, they're still, I think quite separate and a lot of, well, and especially, I mean, in Australia, you'll see a lot of hip hop DJs quote unquote, that exist but they don't know how to scratch they don't know how to loop you know at the at the that one note Mm, the head note or anything like that which i mean if you're going to call yourself a hip-hop dj that sort of shit that like you should at least have a basic understanding of that kind of stuff yeah you know like i'm not saying you have to be fucking battle ready and have routines and always be on, on your toes but like at least be able to do some baby scratches or chirps or stabs Mm. or, you know, like at least loop beats, you know, like dude, for fuck's sake, dudes were doing that in the late seventies. Yeah. Yeah. We're not asking much. no it's
1: really not. Yeah. It's kind of like, um, it's sort of like it got so technical that everyone was like, oh, this is too hard. I can't do it. Um, but do you feel like there's a resurgence coming in it or something like, um, like do you reckon it will come back around? It's
2: it's hard it's hard to say. I think there are certain it, locally. I think DJs. I think there's a little bit of an undercurrent of DJs becoming pre- more prevalent again mm. re- in recent times. Um, obviously with records like, it, like super recent like Executions Heater's mm. record, yeah. which obviously it was. So scratch heavy, not just from Heater himself, but yeah. him. It's uh, from Two Buck on the percy p feature track, yeah. and then yeah. um luckily I was lucky enough to jump on jump on for a track as well and do an all scratch joint. So, um, I and then you know like Lazy Gray, anytime Lazy Gray, Two Buck, and Insidious yeah. get together, that's always <laughs> fucking yeah, crazy ill. Yeah, um, but there's a lot I'm noticing a lot more scratching in, in local hip hop, like Shaker's doing a lot of cuts. Yeah. On, on stuff. Um heaps. Relic's always been consistently putting, you know, cut features on, on joints. Yeah. Um, And I know like uh, Musty again, yeah. you know, like I know in the first few albums was doing a lot of cuts on, on his stuff. Yeah. Um, I think he still
1: does. Like, I'm pretty sure. As I'm, far as I'm I would imagine, he still like, he still would. Fishman friends, the new Coots album. Yeah. I don't think had very much. I don't. Think yeah, I think that's why
2: a... I'm I'm th- wondering if he still does. I think because the last few releases maybe haven't been as cut heavy as the yeah. first. Like I remember that he'd have like sixteen buck cut hooks. Mm-hmm. and stuff in those first few albums. Yeah. And, Maybe they're just not there anymore. I don't know, mate. But, yeah, but yeah, man. Must always, you know, like do, doing cuts on shit. So it was, it's something that I think is maybe sort of starting to sneak back in in, in modern hip hop. Oh, sorry, modern hip hop. Like low, like locally around Australia. Yeah. Um, worldwide, it seems to not, maybe not happen as much as we would like it to. Yeah. I guess. Um, I mean listening to a lot of the hip hop that I, that I love now still is coming out of like New York and stuff. And I'm shamelessly, I'm always on hip hop bootleggers, like looking at what new shit comes out because every day there's just new shit up there. Um, But I don't hear as much scratching as, as, as I think I'd like to. Um, A lot of the European boom, bap heads are still putting scratching in, which is, which is cool. Um, But, a lot of the stuff that I guess is coming out of New York and stuff, I don't think has a lot. Well, the stuff yeah. that I listen to anyway doesn't have a whole lot in it. So, mm. internationally, I think it's kind of lacking a bit, but locally, I think it's it's starting to kind of come back a little bit, which is dope to see because I mean, all the hip hop that I love listening to had dope scratch hooks like Primo just yeah, wilding out on, on mm. the books, you know, like, and you yeah. always remember like those, like the hard to earn ones and yeah. shit like that. You just remember those scratch hooks, they get implanted in your. In your brain is yeah. hearing new joints with stuff with, with hooks like that or scratch sections that you remember is so rare for me now one that i connect with and i that i really love that if i find one i'll fucking have it on re- repeat for like an entire week yeah. and just listen to it like when that when i heard that percy p joint and yeah, two much no cuts on that yeah holy fuck man like I I've always had this thing of if I if I'm ever on a release with another DJ I'm yeah. battling every other DJ that's on that same release yeah. and unfortunately I've in my opinion I've lost to Tubuck twice on two <laughs> releases because <laughs> mm. the first one was the Rusty Jook seven inch that Checkmate produced yeah. that he put out so Tubuck did the cuts on the A and then I did the cuts on the B and got that back and I was just like man his cuts were so ill like <laughs> and then the uh, and then executions came out, yeah. and I was I was real happy with my cuts as well when I sent them off. I was just like, yeah, yeah. and like I knew what was happening. The that, per, that Percy and Buck were going to be on the other side, and I was like, fuck, like I might have two Buck on this one. It might be one all after this <laughs> one, and then it comes out, and Jesus Christ, like <laughs> man, that dude's unstoppable, man. Yeah, I've heard in, you say man, before. He's man, a in, in, in DJ my record. opinion, that dude, like never gets mentioned for dudes that when I speak to dudes about, you know, like DJing and, and whatever, he never gets really mentioned yeah. down in, I don't know whether it's a, a, just an ignorance thing and people just haven't been exposed mm. to the stuff that he's done, but he, um, has that last a single man, he eclipsed DJ revolution in in my ladder, like my internal ladder of the best dudes to ever do scratch yeah. hooks in, in, my opinion, oh, and he's beaten the revolution now, yeah. man. It's, that's, shit's crazy. Yeah. I still can hear it in my head right now, mm. all those fucking cuts. Like, <laughs> it's just, yeah, it's fucked, man. Scratch nerds. It's, it's <laughs> don't forget, it's good good cuts.
0: I've been a bit like that on um After Effects, on Ill Format. Yeah, oh, yeah. the cuts at the end. Oh, but. those are uh, terrible
2: oh, ones. Yeah, that, yeah, they were, that was a funny one because we, when we did that, it was, um, I just wanted to, rec- I said to the boys, like, can I just record what we do when we do it live? Because that, yeah. I think that beat actually, Tampson had that beat well before all format was established. Yeah, right. And I did a gig with him for his launch, I think, when his first album came out under Damn Proud. So he came, he did a Euro trip for a few months, came back and he had an album finished like with this uh, European producer, Phasem. And when he came back, he wanted to do a launch for it. And he had this one beat, and it was like the After Effects beat. Mm. And he had this verse that was dope, yeah. like. And um, when we were making the little format, she we was like, "Why don't we use that beat?" And you know, like Crave write a verse and like, and then we were like, "Oh, we well, got to put cuts on it." So I just thought, "Well, I'll just do every time because we'd perform that song live heaps before mm. we actually recorded it down. Mm. Of just Crave just throwing a verse there. Um, I can't remember if he was doing the actual verse that he ended up recording or not, but. Um, I'd always just end with like 16 bars of R sample yeah. because for me that was the easiest shit to do live. <laughs> yeah. Like if it's one sample, man, like yeah. it's just I can zone out and do it at any level of sobriety. Mm. Like it doesn't matter. I can always do something. Yeah. And then I just wanted to do that for the the record. And then when when I did it, I've, I was practicing shit loads at the time. So I pulled off cuts that – Quickly after they were recording stuff, I wasn't able to do again, like, two months after because I hadn't practiced as much. And yeah. I actually had to, like, when we started doing shows again, had to practice again to be able to do some of those combos that fast. <laughs> um, Because it is a bit of a wank track for me. Like, yeah. I was doing some combos that I knew were pretty impressive. Like. Yeah. Um, and some fast shit, if anyone wanted to like pull out the bpm image, I know exactly what patterns and how quick yeah. and double-time shit that I was doing. Mm. So that was a bit of a flex track for me. Yeah. Um. But yeah, it was like, it was one of the quicker ones as well. I'm pretty sure that only took us like a night or half a night to do, like yeah. just chilling and, and just pumped it out because it was, because of the concept of it. And there were fucking other songs on that release. that took mm. months for mm. the guts. Like, yeah. Trying to find all the samples and shit was just, that's, 90% of a scratcher's job like yeah. trying to dig for the right sample. Yeah, like, 100%. And not just leaning on the same sample that 100,000 other dudes yeah. in your scene have used yep. before which we were guilty of it a couple of times we'd use samples that maybe once or twice had been, you know, ashed before. Like there's a sample I think, you know, that Trim had used mm. maybe that every time I hear it I, I just it reminds me that oh, Trim used it as well but <laughs> it still fits uh, well, actually, so well in the thing. Um, I, I, can't, I think my, maybe it's one of the OC samples or some shit, but yeah. Anyway, they, and it just always sticks out for me because I, I like you hear certain dudes and they'll just rinse the same samples, the same.
1: Yeah.
2: So those certain acapellas, like Mob Deep or Big L, or there's certain ones mm. that you know everyone's got, and, yeah. and you know, like the like that wild style sample. Yeah. Like. Yeah. That, that I'll I'll never use that. Yeah. Oh, for example, because I think that's been done to death in mm. my opinion so far. And unless you can put a particularly good flip on it, or there's a new version of that sample, so I'm real down with like the whole like if you run it through filters and like
1: yeah, okay. can sort
2: of chop and screw the sample and, may, mm. and you know, maybe play it at minus 50 real slow and shit and do it, that's cool because it's and sonically it sounds different, yeah. But, but like there's certain samples that you're just like, yeah,
1: okay. I mean like creatively you wanna come up you wanna be coming up with with new stuff. Yeah. 100%. You don't want to just be like recycling shit percent. people are doing. Hundred yeah. percent. And I think there are
2: there are certain there are a lot in Australia's got a lot of dope scratches and stuff like that. But mm. I think because of how underground scratching is, I, I think there is an element of certain dudes might just sort of lean on, oh well, I know these scratches and as long as I apply these scratches to any a cappella or whatever, it's that's a hook. Yeah. that's a good enough hook or whatever like that. And I mean obviously on the on our bill format API I have moments where I flex and shit like that and then mm. there's tracks where I don't do a whole lot. I just sort of do a little bit for what's mm. necessary for the song because I think the the layering of the samples is more important than me doing technical mm. shit over the top of stuff constantly and yeah. um I think a lot of uh, there's a lot of dudes that I think just need to Maybe just think about towing that line a little bit, yeah. A bit like more, a and that's not, you know, more. that's not a knock on anyone, but in particular, it's just even international hip hop. I've heard when I've heard cuts and stuff like that, yeah. And maybe I've just been listening to Tubuck for too long, and my standards for shit is way higher, yeah. Um, but even my hooks on on ill format stuff, you know, like it's that thing that you go through as an artist. As soon as something's released and you're done, and you're already onto something that you deem is better, you're yes. like. Well, Fuck, like, yeah. like my shit now is already sounding better than that, and then yeah. so it's like every release I have, I'm I, like when I send it off at the time and I send the stems off to get mixed or whatever, I'm like, yeah, it's fucking dope. Like I'm yeah. happy with that, and yeah. then as soon as I've recorded the next thing that I've le- like I've when I've noticed I've leveled up on something, yeah. I'm just like, oh, motherfucker, why couldn't I do that on, on this thing? <laughs> I know, but I mean, it's I mean everyone finds it. Rappers find it. Producers find everyone, it. Everyone, everyone every it. creative, I think. Uh, but that's the only way that you're really going to stay. Um, leveling up. Like level, leveling yeah. up and, and stay interested in the thing because like, what what's so fun about like leaning on the same set of skills or the yeah. same talent for the same, for, you know, a decade or two decades and not mm. getting any better or not improving it at anything like fuck staying still, man. Like yeah. you're staying still, you're going backwards. Yeah. I
1: actually like, like I really enjoy listening to you know um, yeah, fucking right. artists like progression, Across albums and shit, you can definitely hear it. Um, yeah, and I think it's—I actually think it's fucking awesome. I'd way prefer that than to hear someone just like come out with like the yeah. I'll grab you one. Just like come out with like the best shit straight off the bat. Yeah, it's like man, where, where the fuck did you just come from?
2: Come yeah, from. and I and I think I mean there there are certain artists that I haven't given the time of day for a long time or it's taken me ages to come around to for that reason because they've m- maybe come out the gate straight away and had mm. something so – that I didn't appreciate at the time. Yeah. That, and I was just like, what well, the fuck's is this dude saying yeah. this, that, and the other thing? Like, what the fuck? Yeah. And then, you know, like – and also people, you mature as yeah. well as you, you know, years go on or whatever. You start – yeah, your mind gets Jeez. broadened. And you start f- hearing things differently, and yeah. I, I certainly have matured, and I'm less of a cunt about hip hop, and and so close minded about the shit that I want to hear yeah. nowadays. Um, but when I started, man, I was the fucking worst. Oh, yeah. I was the worst cunt. <laughs> we Would just like someone go, oh man, you should check this out, and I'd like look at what the dude looked like in a video clip or some <laughs> shit. It's going nuts fuck it like and just like no i'm not interested man i don't you got gold teeth and shit i really couldn't give a shit like yeah you know there were just certain things that just irritated me from the get-go and i wouldn't give them the time of day but like luckily mm. i grew up and i fucking started out like and there's there's dope shit out there that's yeah. not that's you know not necessarily straight boom bap that yeah. i that i
0: fuck with yeah. um
2: but yeah cool. i don't remember what the question was
0: fuck Oh ah, well, we'll go for a new question there, eh?
1: <laughs> well, just, uh, sorry, just real quick yeah. before we get into um, sort of like the next bit. Speaking of uh, scratch hooks and shit, mm. and then they're sort of like not really being that many nowadays, mm. what would you recommend to some of like the younger artists, I guess, mm. um, for what they could do, who they could hit up or places for them to learn how to do the, the scratch Yeah, thing. look,
2: there's... There are, I mean, locally, look, I don't know how everyone else operates their businesses because, I mean, take, I mean, the first two guys that I think of that have done a lot of shit recently for different artists are Shaker and... And Relic. Yeah. But obviously, like, Shaker run, runs a studio. I don't know what he he would charge yeah. for, for something like mm. that. Yeah. Um, same, same with Relic. You know, like, he runs Turnstile Records and whatever in yeah. his studio and stuff. So I don't know what that sort of... So I guess d-
3: uh,
2: the best thing younger artists could do, honestly, is s- them or somebody in their crew that's half interested in electronics get forced that motherfucker to learn fucking turntables yeah. and learn how to fucking scratch. Yeah. Because it doesn't take a lot to have a good scratch hook. Like yeah. oh, some of my favorite scratch hooks are the most minimal, like mm. a baby scratch and that's it. And just the sample selection is so good that you can't help but just go, fuck that's so dope. Like yeah. the, the sample sitting on that beat is so perfect. Um, and it's it's definitely a very de- do it yourself kind of a realm. I think the, the scratching thing because not just the whole that there's not a lot of dudes out there that maybe necessarily have the equipment or the means to record a scratch hook or whatever. But a lot, like you know, we're not the most reliable sometimes. The to, to scratches, you know, like the, the there's a reason that we we scratch. We're yeah. we're a bit on the fringe of you know being normal. Yeah. So sometimes getting us to do shit is a bit a bit difficult. Yeah. So I know there's there's certain dudes out there that have hit other guys up that I know for cuts or whatever, and it's you know taking them a minute or whatever, mm. and they get frustrated and, and whatever. Um. So I definitely feel like that's that would be disheartening if you were an artist really wanting a scratch hook and you knew somebody that had the means to do it. But I mean, it's it's something that I think doesn't take a lot of to get basic baby scratches and stuff like that, that's audible and stuff. Mm. It doesn't take a lot of practice, but yeah. as long as you sort of do it semi-regularly and just, you know, give it half an hour or an hour a week or something and just mm. sort of stay loose and just remember how certain sound, how certain things happen when yeah. you move your hand this way or that way. Um, you can, most dudes can do it themselves. And yeah, now, I mean, then you open up the question of,
1: Equipment and then turntables yeah. and having access to turntables and shit like that. But with, again, with technology nowadays, like everything's getting much, much it's cheaper. It's getting a
2: lot cheaper. Yeah. Luckily now as well, there's um these Numark portable turntables yes. uh, ha- have been getting a lot more popular. Mm. Um, So you can actually get faders for those like, yep. and build them in and stuff like that and get upgraded tone arms and all that sort of stuff. So... That's actually a thing that I've wanted to test is recording a track with my new mark, my portable turntable, the fader and stuff that I've got in that. Um, because they've they've got battles with dudes on these fucking portable turns. Like they're good enough for like some of the best scratchers in the world to compete on and shit. Like these things are like they they were brought out as toys. Like 180 buck toys that you can get from store at EJ. And like if you sink a little bit of extra coin into it after the fact, like you've got a proper fucking instrument sort of thing so that elements like that becoming a lot and that's still cheaper than a 1200 you know like really realistically you want to spend about 400 bucks minimum to get a decent direct drive turntable for for scratching then you got to get a mixer cart all that sort of shit so it's a very expensive hobby to get into Um, but I mean if you know anyone like even generally the producers in in crews are always a good place to start for for people to get into scratching and shit because of their ear for samples yeah. it, whether it be loops or drums or or whatever um they'll sort of be a little bit further ahead of knowing how the, like the bpm of a tempo of a of a track or whatever yeah. if that sample's going to sit right for for the scratch hook and then they'll also be able to say if you sort of test that Uh, sample you've chosen to be the hook up against the beat that you're on on top of yeah they'll be able to pick up on if it sonically sounds fucked or not because there's so many songs there's so many times when i've been recording stuff and thought right this line i know the exact line it's the right speed it'll work perfectly and the pitch of the person's voice the samples that are underneath it you can only filter out so much yeah and sometimes they just sound like fucking garbage yeah fucking yeah i've done i've been to a lot of shit also because i like a bit of a perfectionist as well like i'll i'll think something is dope one day because i've had a few beers and yeah you know whatever and i'll be like yeah no, that's ill listen to it all night like stroke myself on how fresh i am then wake <laughs> up in the morning play it back i'm like oh jesus that's yeah. horrendous it's like yeah. 16 bars like gone I yeah start again yeah but yeah, so I mean it's not it's it's more about in my opinion, it's more about the sample than than the necessarily the technical cuts, yeah. especially when you're doing recording scratching, because that's a whole nother thing to yeah. like I after learning scratching like from the battle sense, I then had to teach myself how to do scratch hooks and stuff mm. because there are certain thing things you can and can't do with your cuts. Like um naturally if you if you're recording it doesn't happen as much with Serato, but if you're recording off wax, the quicker cuts that are higher pitched are always going to be louder than yeah. slower cuts. So then that once you've recorded them all, you then have to manually go in and find every single chirp fucking sound, mm. level That's them all out, yeah, or yeah. like, you know, not necessarily level them all out, but get them to where they're more sort of uniform, the range, the volume peak isn't so different to where yeah. it actually ends up landing. That it just so one thing leads to another and then leads to another and leads to another (laughs) and, I mean I've been doing I've been doing it long at all like I've been battling for I think this was year number five or six for me and I've probably been DJing for two years before that so yeah seven eight years, years, um and I still like I I I, like I said before I do something that I think sick and then I'll hear somebody like Tubuck put out something. Um, or some of the stuff that's coming out of Europe, like the Scratch Nerd, you know, like stuff like that, that's just um, insane. And I just, it sort of humbles me and I go, well, fuck, yeah. I do actually have to continue to work. Even uh, Prowler, man, Lone Wolf.
1: Mm. Yes. Yeah, like that,
2: that's that's the album for me for cut. in terms of cuts and shit that fit tracks perfectly. Yeah. The, the technical scratches of what he's doing is fucking perfect. Yeah. That was, that, album man, that's the one for me. I know a lot of a lot of dudes like got like to mention Money Walks as yeah. uh, the main one, which yeah. I mean, I love Money Walks, don't get me wrong. But Lone Wolf when, you know, he had DJ Noise and Creative from Denmark on that track, which was fucking ill, because DJ Noise, world champion of 94, 95, I think, mm. DMC, like, yeah. the word play king, like, could diss anyone, like, with, used to just, like, get two records, or, like, rap records and create new rhymes, like, oh, using this, this track and this track. And diss dudes like hard, like fuck. and he man did this one this one year just did it the whole way through to the world finals and won a world title and it fuck. was fucked and no one could argue with it either. Yeah. He got him on a track, so yeah. the, the scratch nude in me was like, holy fuck, like mm. that's DJ Noise dope. Gets one of my favorite rappers of all time, Esoteric was on it. Yeah, um, on that I think it's Analyze or something. Man, that that album's a fucking masterpiece. Yeah, so I love that joint. Prowler's a massive inspiration for me for. The scratch, the scratch hook stuff, like yeah. a huge,
1: huge... Yeah, Prowler's the fucking king. Yeah, so right. basically, just study up, people, if you yeah, want to get man. into it. Fucking study it. 100% study up, yeah. and,
2: and, I mean, use... I know it's difficult as well and if you're doing a throwback track or whatever, using a sample that's, you know, an old school one, whatever's cool, but as much as you can, try and come up with an original sample because yeah. like we don't need to hear the same samples that everyone's used on every hook since the dawn of time. Yeah. And I think that's more prevalent with me because after watching battles for so many years, there are certain DJs that you see like at the world finals and shit that every year they use the same like oh yeah, yeah sample. Yeah. Like every year or the exact same samples. And like if you one of the dudes that intentionally try like uh, my philosophy on that was you can use the R or fresh sample once, yeah. in a routine because that's the true. Like it's like you know if you give a guitarist an acoustic guitar, and and like that's the the level the level playing field for every guitarist to m- uh, measure how good they are yeah. at their craft an R or a fresh sample for scratching is that equivalent. So yeah. that's always the moment for me. If you put one in, you can put one in there for like that mega flex moment to show the combos and shit you can do. But then like you get dudes that use like the same James Brown samples every <laughs> fucking year. And yeah. the same, like even the same tracks, like man, I can't tell you how many times Billy Jean has been used at in battles. <laughs> yeah, shit. Like true. I practice with Billy Jean all the time. Love it. And we'll play it out if I'm doing a DJ set, but fuck me if I'd ever use it in a in a fucking battle like yeah. I've seen at least seven dudes use that in a battle and I mean don't bite if yeah. someone else has done that track unless you're burning them or flipping it completely differently which not a lot of these dudes are mm. just find something new
1: yeah fuck. Yeah. yeah.
0: 100% <laughs> Excuse me. So, um, (laughs) I've been waiting for a big moment to come back and ask a question. (laughs) (coughs) Sorry, Milker. I know. So, uh, what was the first DMC's you are involved in? We have touched on it already. Uh, I think it was... I think it was
2: 2015 was the first year I competed. Because I I went from being a fan of it and practicing in my bedroom Mm. to just immediately being involved, like hadn't gone to a local DMC while I was like practicing at home for those two years leading at at the start. And then like when I knew that was what I I wanted to do, like entered straight away and and came, I think that was 2015. Didn't even place like did fucking terribly, but I already knew I was onto something because I think G smooth won that year uh, he's from Jay Red's crew. He won the the Victorian finals that year, but I knew that some of the juggles and stuff that I was doing, I was just like the dudes that came second and third. Like I reckon I could fucking yeah. my juggles might I reckon eventually will be at, we'll smash these dudes, and um, it was actually the um the master who who did cuts on Bigfoot's giant steps on tracks on that. He, um, he was, I met him at, uh, an RA, the rugged man Giga laundry bar the year before and was telling him that I was getting into it. And I was thinking about entering While He was just like, man, just do it. Just get the first one out of the way. Like everyone's shit at the first one, just get it over and done with. And like the next year you'll come back, you'll want to come back and do it again and whatever. um, I remember him telling me how like DMC was sort of like the numbers of new dudes entering. They weren't getting a whole lot of new dudes. It was the same guys that just kept sort of entering. And then so I throw my hat in the ring, do terribly, a bit DJ Aladdin so bad on this one routine where I just do like under the legs, like breakdowns <laughs> on this one record. And it's like literally a DJ Aladdin bite. That, but I thought it was so sick. Like, yeah. I thought I was like, yeah, I can fucking do this shit. No one else is doing this stuff. But yeah, it was so, it was terrible in hindsight. <laughs> um, but uh, so then the next year, uh, so yeah, I think that was 2015. Broke ended up winning it that year, the national title. Yep. Um, and then I was just like, yeah, no, this definitely, I want to be at the national level and 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 be up there and win that. Um, next year came back, uh, lost to Typhonic, who had moved to Melbourne from ACT and was fucking filthy about it. Mm. I was so mad, like. Mm. <laughs> My my crew shout out to my crew as well the fuckheads it's me J- Jason the master <laughs> DJ Osiris who was the twenty sixteen and twenty seven Australian DMC champ right. DJ Elevate who uh, DJs for like Angus Younger and oh, yeah. and, and um uh, works with uh, Royals a lot yep. as yeah. well yeah uh Elevate and uh, our other homie Patty B. Um, who's a Victorian state champion and shit at this point. We've got a little a crew, and he, the name Fuckheads is, describes us perfectly because yep. we've all done something stupidly embarrassing or, like, something <laughs> retardedly dumb to, to be allowed. It. Like, I wasn't allowed to be in the – I was best mates with the, all these dudes. I wasn't allowed to be in that crew for, like, a year <laughs> because they're like, man, you haven't done a fuckhead-worthy moment. Like, you can't <laughs> be in the crew. Like, I'm sorry, but – like, uh, no, oh, she, you you, you <laughs> haven't had a fuckhead moment yet. Like, and, um, it was, uh, oh fuck. What was it? I think it was <laughs> when I lost to Midsole last year or the year before. Yeah. Last year, last year when I lost to Midsole, like Jason, the, the master he was hosting and he like sticks the mic in my mouth. He's just like. Say something to the people, blah, blah, blah. And I was filthy because I'd come fucking second. I was, like, I was so mad. And um, I lean into his ear and I'm like, take that fucking mic out of my face. You fucking, like, just teed off on him for a second. Yeah. And he's just like, come on, man, smile and shit. And I was just like, nah. And just, like, gave him the the wrap-up finger, like the low, you know, the dude yeah. that sits on the side of the logie's He's like, yeah. Yeah, yeah, come on, like, start the music. Like, let's fuck this dude off stage. I was doing that to him, just going, just get the spotlight off me. I'm fuming, just leave it alone. Yeah. And then um, I ended up winning the plaque that the crew has, a fuckhead of the year plaque. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like a proper cricket, like a shield thing that we have engraved every Fuck year. with the, that. And and oh, the that, was from that year. fucking gets fuckhead of the year. And yeah, that was my my shining moment for the crew, and they it was just welcome with open arms, like welcome, dude. Like that was you are a fucking idiot.
1: Like <laughs> that's so, a really, I think that's a really healthy way of fucking yeah. dealing with things. Oh man, the, the,
2: these these four dudes, I man, we fucking argue like fucking like little girls mm. all the time, mm. but. The fact that you'll you'll fuck up and you're not worried about, like, you know, if I fuck up on stage or whatever, I'm not fucking thinking about, like, oh, so-and-so, they saw me make mistakes Mm. or, you know, whatever. It's, oh, Jesus Christ, what the fuck is the crew going to say? And then I look at my phone and the group thread is just, oh, Wolsey, shut the bed tonight. (laughs) Oh, you should have seen it. Like... So it's, it, 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 keeps you sort of, it forces you to see the humorous side in moments that you might be mm. really anxiety filled in and, yeah. and shitting yourself in. Yeah. And like this year particularly, I had a lot of moments where it was the first for me, like big opportunities and big shows to do shit. Mm. And just going in with the mentality of like, as long as I don't do anything that the fuckheads would disapprove of, then I'll be, I'll sort of, I'll be all sweet. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. But that does didn't stop us, you know, like on certain moments, like me losing DMC last year, you know, like there was a massive, like, you know, crew yeah. meeting about yeah. the, about the thing. And it's just a funny, it's, it's a funny bunch of, we're all a bunch of retards, but yeah. well, yeah, sorry, I shouldn't say retards, it's not, <laughs> you are allowed to in 2019, we're, we're, we're a bunch of, uh, mischievous, variously aged men. Yeah. That are too immature for fucking society, so we just take it out on each other with fucking memes constantly, <laughs> yeah. like memes about like how shit all of our lives are when all of us are doing sweet. Yeah, like it's it's they're a weird bunch of dudes, but fuck me, dead. I love every single one of them, man. And yeah. that like you need you need that I mean support team for for doing creative stuff, mm. and you know for. DJing in particular and competitively, you need d- dudes around you that you know are in your corner. Yeah. Like, you know, like a, I would imagine a boxer would feel. Mm, yeah. You know, like needing yeah. not not just the dudes that are feeding, giving them the water and the towel and all that sort of shit, but that support team outside the corner. You know, like it's yeah. it's um it's something that's a necessity, especially in in darker times of battling, like taking hard losses and shit. Yeah. Like, um. When it's certain, like even I almost didn't battle this year. Like yeah. I, was, I was, I was this close to mm. selling turn, my turntables and just going like, "Fuck this! It's not in the cards for me. I'll just make battle routines for no reason." And mm. but it's just not going to happen for me. And mm. and it was the crew that were like, "No, nah, man. Like, yeah, just so close. Like, yeah, it was shit. What happened last year? But man, like, just." It lived, and it was them that got me to battle again, and fucking ended up winning and yeah, oh, shit. and doing it. So yeah, man, shout out to those dudes. Like having a crew behind yeah. you is, is no. a necessity, I think.
0: Yeah, hundred percent. So hate. the DMC World Championships been going since about 1985. About that, yeah. Founded by the Disco Mix Club? Yeah, right? well, Disco
2: Mix Club, I think, is technically what it was okay. at, at, the, at, at the start, and dudes will still argue that point right. in yeah. fucking forums, like, no, Doom's Disco Mix Club. Yeah. Um, But, like, it, it started as just a mixing contest, yeah. you know, like techno and house and shit, I believe. I don't really pay attention to anything before DJ Cheese, because he yep. brought scratching to the con- yes. contest, I think, in, I don't know, 80... I think it was eighty six. I was
0: reading something and it was like, yeah. Um, yes. They said like, is what is this a mixing contest or a scratching? Contest? Yeah, yeah.
2: So he it was the f- DJ. Cheese was the first. Yeah. No one had ever done it there, yeah. and scratching was this new thing that you know, uh, Grand Wizard Theodore. Theodore. I think. Yeah. Um. Fuck! It would have been awful if I had got that wrong. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I just had like the group chat like, Yeah. So I, could, <laughs> I forgot who invented scratching. <laughs> Shit. Um. Oh. But, <clears throat> sorry. Um, I basically, like, didn't... I don't know a whole lot about it from yeah. the, when it was a mixing contest. Cool. I was
0: more... Well, I wanted to ask you how, like, you know, they've been going since 1985. How relevant are they today? I mean, it's it's a weird one because it had... DMC,
2: I think, had a peak, obviously, in the, in the era where... Where DJ Craze won because he made such an impact. He came, won three, the only dude to win three world titles back to back. And then he came and won two team world titles as well. So he's a five time DMC world champion. And that launched him into. I don't think necessarily that was the sole reason he blew up as a DJ because he was always a good DJ. But off the back of that, obviously, in that era. Even local guys here, if you won a national DMC title, you were doing a big day out support show, which, you know, Mm. like big day outs in the early 2000s were fucking big, you know, big big fucking deal. Not just because it was that era where hip hop was, you know, like all of Triple J was embracing hip hop. Yeah. Or, well, as a you know, and and I could be completely wrong, but as a as a younger sort of a dude, as on the outside just observing it on TV, and you know you'd see it on Rage and whatever like clips of the Big Day Out live versions of songs, and you'd see hip hop ones on there. Yeah. And I'd sort of it sort of gave you the vibe of like, no, hip hop was a part of the Big Day Out and was an element of it mm-hmm. as well. Um, so if you won a national title, then you were doing support shows and bigger gigs automatically and stuff that gradually tapered off. I think as I think just the popularity of it sort of tapered off. Um, I think because of the rise of the technicality of it, particularly in, I think the mid to late two thousands around the sort of 2007, 2008 era, there was a wave of like European dudes, like name like Netic and Uncut are the two for me that, that almost peaked what could be done on turntables from a technical perspective, like how quick you could scratch, how quick you could juggle and do all this, all this shit. Um, But a lot of people didn't like the sound because they would produce records that were routine performance records. So to a lot of people, it would sound like random sounds, but when performed in a certain way would actually be a sort of song a performant, perform performed song. Yeah. But it got so technical and so much about the what they were doing rather than how good did shit sound. Yeah. That people that weren't necessarily turntable nerds just stopped going. And yeah. a lot of the general crowd that might have been a fan of it back in the day because you'd hear popular music getting remixed, live remixed, and yeah. you know, it was a lot more I think the average person, music fan, could connect with it a lot more during the 90s and the early 2000s because dudes weren't pressing up custom records, custom routine records, and they would have to get two copies of that same, you know, like non-fiction or whatever beat it was that they were going to juggle. And then so as soon as they dropped it, you knew that, oh, this dude's going to do a fucking juggle with this joint. Like, oh, so there was that element of you could connect with that song. Yeah. And then- hearing a remix of it live you it would be twice as mind-blowing if you knew the song already rather than just seeing it and going oh well it's impressive and he's doing cool juggles or whatever but i don't know what it originally sounds like so it doesn't really have as good of an impact but there are certain dudes that have done like certain juggles that they just they'll ruin songs for you because every time you hear that song (laughs) you'll think of the routine that's all that that plays in your head Mm. um But certainly now the DMC, at least I think at at a national level, I mean, it's downgraded from being at, like, places like the Hi-Fi, I think, or the Metro. Yeah. Like, J-Red was posting photos of, you know, like, 2,000 people, I think, were there at the 2001 DMC, the national finals, the Australian fuck finals. The of, of, like, there's footage on YouTube on, um I think, Osiris's channel. Yeah. Um, Man, it's 2,000 people, him and Samurai, battling, like, in fucking, it's crazy. And, mm. like, we're battling, like, last year was at Laundry. It was fairly busy, you know, like, but it's... You know, a packed laundry versus a packed, you know, like metro yeah, or yeah. whatever. Like it's they're two completely different yeah. wavelengths. You know, yeah. like, um, and I just couldn't imagine fucking doing battle shit just that many fucking people. Yeah, like man, that's like I've you know even doing it in London was a couple of hundred people. Like yeah. even, because I only didn't I only did the elimination round, yeah. so there wasn't heaps of people there yet. But, um doing it to that many people, like, fuck, if you make a mistake, you can yeah. fuck up. Like, fuck, that's <laughs> yeah. a lot of heads.
1: Yeah, that, that's um, a lot of I, just, I think people.
2: a lot of it comes down to the business side of it. Mm. Then you are able to sell out a venue like the Metro um, yeah. or something like that, which if you can get 2,000 people in any room and you can get the right advertisers, they'll pay a price to get their brand in front of those two thousand people. So I know I think there were sponsors like Boost Mobile was a sponsor, yeah. I think throwing out mobiles and prepaid oh, mobiles to the crowd and shit. Yeah. Oh. Um so it's it a lot of it when the punters stopped coming, the sponsors stopped coming, so there was less money to make it such an extravaganza which would make it less appealing, I think, for punters mm. to come unless they were mates of the DJs or whatever. Because there was I mean the first few years that I did Vix, it was like the mates of DJs on the, you know, the girlfriends and mm. stuff like that. And then maybe like an extra 10 people. Like yeah, my first mm. battle, there would have been probably like 30, 40 people yeah. there. Like, yeah. you know, like I was shitting myself. It was like a thousand people to me, mm. but you know, like I look back on it now, especially after some of the more recent shows that I've mm. done and just gone like, fuck. Like, and then you see battles of like Russia, like they're getting a thousand people to their DMC <laughs> over there. Like, like what the fuck? Yeah. When when were they able to pull that many people to a yeah. fucking battle? Like sure. it's it's crazy, man. Um. But no, to answer the question, I don't think DMC is as relevant as it as yeah. it used to be. Um. But I also think back in the day, DJs. If you were good at DMC, chances are you were a fairly decent DJ mm-hmm. as well. It was it was sort of something that went hand in hand. Yeah. Today, it it's not. I know a lot of really dope turntablists that are fucking terrible DJs mm. and vice versa. A lot of fantastic DJs that as soon as you give them an R sample and shit, fall apart. And yeah. Just, um, but not saying that that's, you can't be like that, but if you're going to play hip-hop shit, you should at least yeah. be able to do a little, yeah. bit, a little bit, as I said. But yeah. um, it's something that used to go hand in hand, but now it's just, it's just a separation and how nerdy scratching got Just isolate. The scene isolated itself over here is going, well, this is what we're going to do. And hip hop and whatever just went, well, we don't want scratching instead of a verse. Mm. Like we'll have eight bars of it or 16 bars, but we don't want it forever. And a dude to literally stroke his own dick on the (laughs) turntable. like, which Mm. I've been guilty of (laughs) plenty of times.
0: (laughs) So So, do you reckon? Yeah, yeah, no, you hit it up. Yeah. So... You're the 2019 national DMC champion Mm. and number nine in the world. I mean, how's that feel? And do you have – is there any aspiration of taking out that world champ title?
1: Hey, congratulations, Uh, by the way. Thanks. I know you
2: guys are – you fucking congratulate. I'm pretty sure – I know you messaged me, I think, when I put it up on Instagram and shit, and I think the first time I seen you after it, you were on as well. Um, But the – look, it was – I'd like to be get as close to Dexter as possible. I, yeah. I don't think the the type of turntablism I love and the style that I sort of do I don't think is suited to take out the six minute category at, yeah. a, at the very top level. Mm-hmm. I don't see why if I if I keep going the way I've going because I've been leveling up every year and making sure I work on my weaknesses mm. I hone in on my weaknesses every year and just get my sort of bottom 20% and make that my top 20% sort of thing. So last year I was really shit at musicality and cleanliness. So this year my top two categories, I'm pretty sure on the scoring thing were musicality and Mm. cleanliness over my juggling, believe it or not, which (laughs) Mm. was, was crazy. So I always try and focus on things I'm shit at and do it and do them better. But I don't, that being said, I don't think the stuff that I do, is necessarily suited to win the six-minute category. Yeah. Battle for Supremacy, on the other hand, however, I, I'm going to give a real red-hot go over the next few years because that's the head-to-head category yeah. where you get 90 seconds. It's not a there, – there's not so much of the, the quote, DJ element where you need to have peaks and valleys in your set and mm. and, and that – like in a six-minute showcase category, you've got a lot more time to sort of bring in ideas and, and yeah. then sort of – have them reach a peak and then have them sort of drop off as you bring in in the next idea or whatever. Yeah. Whereas in the head to head thing, it's just like, you've got 90 seconds. You just yeah. diss them, do your fucking best straight, yeah. like straight off the bat, diss them again at the end. And then that's, and then that's it. And there's no scoring categories for that. It's just, the judges just hold up a uh, person a or person B. It's yeah. who they were feeling at the time. And I think this a lot of the routines that I've gotten the vault that I've some of the ones I've done over the years and stuff that I've never done is much more suited to that, yeah. that kind of a category. Um, so I'd love to have a red hot go at, at that. Um, but I mean, it a lot can change over the course of a year. I'm going to prepare because in Australia, we don't do supremacy at a national level. So I have to win the six minute category to win the flights over there. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, if I come up with, with some dope shit, like I've I've got sort of like three or four years worth of material that I can use for supremacy next year, mm-hmm. um, yeah. so I'm gonna give it a, give it a shot. Um, I don't see why I can't you know get a few rounds in at least. Um, but a lot can change on the night. Like yeah. it's it's I've, I've had dope routines like 2018. I had a routine that I thought was fucking ill, and it like and it fell apart on the night because yeah. I loaded the wrong track and cued the wrong. Thing and split second of silence. I said "fuck" out loud. Everyone in the venue heard it. Oh, oh, that's oh, yeah. That was that. Man. So it's um, yeah. I, so I mean, ideally, for getting my three national titles is yeah. that's the yeah. the and for for me, if if nothing happens at the na- international level, then that doesn't faze me as yeah. long as I get my three Australian titles, then. Sick i will be
1: fucking pretty. To so keep your eyes peeled for the next yeah, couple of years, much. yeah, yeah fucking exactly. Oh. <laughs> and get down to the DMCS, yeah, straight well. fucking we fucking know, we gotta, to hit it up next year
0: yeah, for sure. 100%. Yeah, it'll be a good one. So I'll right, we'll put the DMCS to the side for a bit. Yeah. Um, tell us about how you came affiliated with the Hyde Goons, and
2: that was like fairly random. Actually, um, it was like I'd I'd obviously met Heater one of the early record store days at Union Heights. And um, we'd always stay in contact because I am a massive fan of like 80s fast rap. Like, you know, like when Big Daddy Kane gets super quick. and You know, that sort of shit. And he does, his collection of fast rap is, and knowledge (laughs) on fast rap is just insane. Um, So me and him, you know, like would always, you know, like toss ideas back and forth about scratches and, and working together and whatnot. And then... Um, one day I think he called me out of the blue and was just like, Oh, so I was talking to Bigfoot and, um, we want to, you know, see if you'd be wanting to represent hide goons, blah, blah, blah. blah, And, um, don't feel obliged to by any means like, but whatever. And I was just an instant. Yes. For me, like I'd been a fan of, you know, HG since I first got into Aussie hip hop. Mm. And, um, and, um, yeah, to sort of be asked to, like, rep a crew that I already owned, like, heaps of the shirts and, like, owned heaps of the records, I was just like, well, fuck yeah, like, sick, like, you know, like, my favourite rapper of all time is a Hyde Goon Man Bigfoot, like, yeah, that dude, like, as soon as I heard that that joint in Jizo, that, um, yeah. that Dirt joint, oh, yeah. oh bro, <laughs> like, that was game over, that was, yeah. like, my favourite, right then and there, like, this dude's my favourite rapper of yeah. all time, like, and still is to this day, okay. man. Like Bumpy Knuckles is behind him. Yeah. Like, but man, like Bigfoot. And then luckily, you know, like obviously getting put in the crew, I developed friendships with all these dudes and stuff. And luckily, like a lot of these guys that I looked up to growing up, mm. and, you know, like are now close mates of mine and shit. Yeah. So it's um so that was that was dope. But it was just, it was definitely um it was it was... Uh, I don't know how to describe it. Like, Hida didn't exactly sell me on it. He was just like, look, man, like, goons, we're a loose bunch of... You know, we're, fair, we're a loose crew. Yeah. Not loose in the fact, like, they go out heaps and shit. No, nah, like, loose, isn't, loose yeah. is in, like... Like, the, the ties between everyone were very yeah, yeah. loose and shit like that. And, um... And, like, he didn't do the biggest sales pitch on me, to be honest, like, at the time when he asked me. But, like, all my brain heard was just, like, "Wallsy, do you want to be in HG? And then the rest of it was a blur. And I was just, like, yeah. 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 And, again, that was another moment when I was just, like, oh, fuck, I remember sitting in, like, the parks, like, listening to Hit Never Miss on my mm, fucking yeah. shitty phone, like, smoking <laughs> bugs and fucking parks and shit. And now I'm in the fucking same crew. Like, as yeah. like, these fuckers, like, this fucking fresh, like... Yeah. So um, that, that was, you know, cool and, and uh, you know, the dudes, you know, brought me in with open arms and shit and, you know, I've been lucky to get on a lot of the projects ever mm. since and, you know, still working um, on S.H.I.E.L.D. We've got some stuff coming up in the, I think, in the new year. It'll yeah. be coming out. Fuck yeah. Um, so, yeah, man, it's like I'm proud to represent that crew 100%. Mm.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, so you've been... This is kinda of getting a bit off topic. We just wanted to okay. hit up that Hyde Goons link, like real quick. But uh yeah, you've been like a live DJ for for a bunch of people and like a tour DJ for mm. a whole bunch of people in the scene. Um what's that been like? And can you run us through some of the some of the people that you've DJed Oh yeah, for?
2: I mean, I, apologies if I forget anyone, but like obviously damn proud and ill format, that's their my crew that's that's my main and they're my dudes um but um i've done i've i've done you know the backline for sinks for his launch for common ruin i did retainer for his launch of his album calendar man at revolver Mm -hmm. um i did the uh melbourne adelaide and brisbane shows for kings connected as their tour dj um and, oh, there would have been some other people I did, you know, like early on that, you know, like I was DJing for somebody else and somebody didn't have a DJ. So as usual, yeah. you know, the one dude behind the door, here's a USB, man. Can you play my beats? Uh, <laughs> yeah. Fuck. Don't ever ask me that. Yeah. Fuck. <laughs> no, if you're out, don't ever fucking ask me that, please. <laughs> <laughs> I will ask for half your paycheck. Yeah. <laughs> fair enough um but yeah so luckily you know I've been given some good opportunities with um with the these artists to do some decent sized shows Yeah, you know like um particularly the Kings Connected ones were a big Mm. highlight for me obviously you know being a huge uncut recordings fan and just being a massive Kings Connected fan as well um Getting that call up was like big shoes to fill as well because uh, I am a massive fan of Strict 9, their DJ that did all the, or was their, you know, their tour DJ and also DJed and did a lot of production on their first uh, couple of releases. Yeah. Um, So I was like, oh shit, like I've, you know, I'm taking over Strict 9. And he and he got a lot of dope cuts on a lot of dope, um, on a lot of dope joints, early ones of theirs. Um, And then. Uh, I remember that, you know, like it's a Corrupted Citizens one. So there was that two buck track on there. So I was going to, if I was, and I, I'm never one to, you know, leave the fucking cuts in the instrumental. Yeah. Fuck that shit. If you can cut, like just do them live. Even if you fuck it up, like that's part of the charm of seeing a live performer versus listening Listening to to it it. on on recording, you know, like, um, I like hearing little fuck ups and dudes have to fix fuck ups on the fly at a you know little shit like that. obviously if it's you know fucking something major happens or whatever that's no good but I you know just I way prefer seeing live cuts and then when I figured out that I re- remembered I'd have to do that two buck one like oh, yeah Jesus Christ yeah. but luckily it worked out um they were <laughs> awesome dudes to work with again that was another sort of moment where I was a bit sort of shook going into it because I'm like fuck this, you know. I got phone. I'm working at my grandparents' house, helping paint their thing, and I get a phone mm. call from a number I don't have, and it's Trim on the phone, like yeah. asking me to fucking do this. And he's like, "Oh, I don't know if you've heard of King's Connector Ball." I'm like, yeah, <laughs> "Fucking like, It's in the fucking CD player, dude. I, like, I, yeah. I went, I went and picked up my ticket for the show from Frank today. Like, yeah, no, yeah, you know, like I was a, one of the first dudes that had the ticket to that show. Like, yeah. um, and so that was an awesome opportunity, man. Like to be able to do that, um and do those, those bigger, bigger shows. Um, I definitely learned a lot about like more so about backing up files and yeah. making sure you don't, you know, load the wrong thing at the wrong mm. time or press the wrong button on Serato. Yeah. Like, yeah. like and any of that shit. But, yeah. um, yeah, it there were awesome opportunities that luckily these these rappers and stuff have have been able to give give me and you know mm. like entrusted me with the, running the back line and, and shit like that. Yeah. Um and you know like that's that's what I love doing. I would do, choose that any day over doing party DJing or you know doing dance floor sets like, Yeah, yeah doing scratching and you know like doing ad-libs for dudes and all that sort of shit and yeah. Yeah, that's
1: that's the shit man that's yeah, the one yeah plus you get to fucking tour the country yeah exactly see all these places yeah man
2: absolutely and luckily through you know being in the scene for a few years and stuff I've developed friendships with a lot of dudes all over the you know Australia mm. so it's it's um cool now because, like, where, you know, if I go to any other state, generally I know a couple of dudes that I can link up with, yeah. you know, even if it's just for a beer or a meal or whatever, but just, like, hip-hop heads yeah. that are just, you know, like, Down for keen it. to hang, you know, talk yeah. shit and hang out, like, mm. yeah. which is sick, man, because, like, fuck, before hip-hop, man, I don't, know. I don't travel to any other states. I'm, yeah. You know, I go on a holiday once every couple of years, you know, Bali or Thailand or some shit. <laughs> but
0: I, I live in my little dome and yeah. I don't venture outside of my comfort zone mm. all <laughs> that often. mm so, leading up to 2017, 18, sort of, you've predominantly been a live DJ and turntablist. So, like, how was the shift into being a DJ on record and making music? Um, it was a bit of a learning curve, the le- learning
2: that the, the metronome like mm. accuracy you have to have if you're recording shit as mm. as whether you're doing live vocals or live instrumentation or anything like that when you're not just programming stuff like a sampler or something
3: yeah
2: um having to because I always thought my, my cuts are clean they're always on time blah 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 but yeah. it's not until you see the waveform on Ableton and you hear it mm. and you can see peaks of shit yeah. and you see where the kicks and the hats and the snares all on yeah, up and and you're like the, fuck and everything is, is slightly out yeah. every, so yeah. a lot of it was just learning little tools that make me make it easier for me to stay in time for yeah. little little sections and stuff. So like I'll do a lot of times where I'll, I'll just scratch over a metronome at the BPM that the song that I'm recording or whatever yeah, the shit right. I'm working on is just for like 10, 15 minutes just to warm up because you can't mask any mistakes under a beat or under, yeah. uh, or under drums or anything. Um, so metronome uh, re- was fucking my savior for recording and for juggling as well. Learning mm. I juggling, uh, doing it to a metronome is is fucking key because a lot of dudes juggle out of time and it's yeah. just infuriating. Yeah. You just want to tell them like it's out of time and they don't yeah. want to hear shit. Like, um, but that was a big one. And then the other one that I'm still nowhere near good enough at um, the sample selection and sample layering yeah. aspect of it. Yeah. That, that I mean, two buck mm. as I said before is the king of doing that and Mm. his sample selection is impeccable and everything one after the other sounds perfect. And, um, there's certain tracks that I've done in the past where now as a bit more of a mature sort of listener or whatever. I sort of think, Oh fuck, maybe that there's a bit too much of a clash Mm. in in Sonics, uh, but between two samples. But I mean, as long as I'm thinking that I'm leveling up from the shit that I did before, like it's all good. um, but those are the main two things that like DJing on on recordings like is, is the hardest thing to do, the accuracy of timing yeah. uh, stuff. And then the constant like if you're recording with somebody else and I've only done this a handful of times where I've recorded hooks and stuff at somebody else's house and they've mm. been triggering like the, you know, record arm and shit, yeah. doing that's a luxury, man, with somebody yeah. else because you just they just go, I'm like, nah, again, yeah. do it, nah, again. <laughs> yeah. And you don't have to do shit but when – I'm doing it in my little setup that's n- no shit the exact same size as the fridge on that desk there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I've got one laptop sitting above it and I miss the cue to fucking do the cuts, so I have got to stop.
0: Yeah. Scroll go across, back. go yeah. back,
2: put the metronome on again, uh-huh. get my 4 can in there, sit there, make sure the sounds at the right fucking spot yeah. and like it just gets monotonous. Mm. But so doing it anytime I've got an engineer with me or somebody that's doing the recording, that's just luxury yeah, and the yeah. process is so much easier. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's just the that, that, those sort of things. But I mean, that's stuff that you weed, weed out over over time. But the sample selection thing, that's a big one. And yeah. that's what, something that I've, I, I guess, the only real way that I'll ever get better at that is just listening to more music. Yeah, I was yeah, gonna say, how, how do you go about like- it's not something that you can really like put your finger on to improve yeah. because it's sort of like a, a one percenter, if you you know, like yes. in sport terms. Um, but I mean, like I listen to a lot of a lot of hip-hop, but my issue is if I find hip hop that I really love, I'll fucking mm. won't take it out of the CD player for ages. Yeah, so I'll yeah. just get fixed out on one release, know it completely back mm. to front.
3: Yeah.
2: Um, so then when it comes time to record cuts and shit if these artists that I don't listen to all the time aren't suited to that track, then, you know, I have to work a bit harder um, because I wouldn't have a fucking clue where I'm going to go with what sample I'm going to use or what sound is going to work. Um, But, yeah, I mean, recording is – I mean, I'm sure, you know, like I haven't had any – almost any experience in rapping, but I'm sure you find it like – rapping yeah, in a, in a cypher or whatever, yeah. you know, like that's sweet, you can be on beat, whatever. But then like those first few times you got in the booth and have to do shit like, you know, meticulously yeah. on time, you, yeah. you it really, you realize how sloppy you are and, yeah. uh, in those early days. And then you sort of, you become conscious of it later on and then you just naturally, eventually you don't think about it and you're you're on time. Like, yeah, recording
1: is much different. Yeah. Um, and I think you put it perfectly, just listening to music And, like, studying how people have done things is Mm. one of the most important things if you want to create music. Yeah. You have to be an avid fan. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. And I think as
2: well, a, a lot of... I mean, I grew up watching from the guitar and drumming background. I grew up watching a lot of audio engineering sort of yeah, behind the scenes stuff of like my favorite albums or whatever. As soon as YouTube was a thing, yeah. I was looking up every album that I loved from the metal world and seeing if there was a doco on the creation of that album and them sitting in the studio and how yeah. did they get this sound and that sort of stuff. So a lot of that is for for scratch hooks and stuff like that because especially if you're scratching, if you can't get the acapella for a song and you'll just use the normal track, yeah, you then have to work out how you're going to filter out the bass or the sample, which a lot of the time the samples, if they're mids, the voices are going to be at the yeah. mid-range as well. Yeah, so if fully. you try and take out too much mids, you're going to lose the clarity of what the person's saying so, yeah. and then you've defeated the whole purpose of using that sample. So. Yeah having a bit of eq knowledge and shit like that always is a massive help like yeah. with the, with the scratching side of it for
1: sure man yeah. like and there are crazy tools out there now like the um the rx fucking oh, i can't remember what the what the program is i have it on that computer but It's uh, yeah. You can just like create acapellas out of oh shit music and stuff now. Yeah, yeah. Like you can just take out all the sound. I don't know how it works. It just that's nuts. I know there's this
2: dude DJ K Def in the states who uh, he gets old breaks and shit and runs them through all this like hardware gear and like does all this phase reversing shit. Yeah. And he'll make, he'll get, he'll isolate the breaks out of songs that the breaks have never been heard isolated before. Yeah. And like, you know, with some acapellas, if they're poorly- Mixed if the beats poorly mixed out, you can kind of hear it in the background, yeah, and you yeah, hear a yeah, roar, sort yeah, of through the thing. Yeah. Some of these ones that he posts, I'm saying, what the fuck has he done it like?" Yeah. Yeah, and immortal. he's just got like all this hardware shit that I don't understand and will yeah. never even begin to learn <laughs> because it's just too much for my fickle little brain yeah. to understand. <laughs> um, but. Man, so dudes that can do that isolation shit, that's a skill I wish I had. Yeah. Really, really mm. badly wish I had.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I'll try and I'll, uh, I'll link you this Fucking all right, no, that'd be dope. Yeah. Yeah, fuck yeah. So do you make beats at all? have just started. Yeah. Yes.
2: Um, made beats a few years ago when I was studying at SAE because it was part of the, the thing. Course. Yeah. Part of the course. Um, Like did a movie score, sort of like five-minute movie score thing. Damn, where I, that's where, dope. I, where I had to <laughs> make like the... the score for it and shit um and it was just all sampled like everything was sampled like I would've like arguably like I if this had've been released like there would've been mad suits like like, you know like I took one minute string loops and, and was just like (laughs) well, <laughs> if I just loop that once, that's two minutes of that project finished. And that's still technically a loop. So that's, you know, ticks that criteria and that's yeah. solid. Like, yeah. so I ended up making like two beats that so went for like 90 seconds for that. And then just like stole all this like Quentin Tarantino fucking soundtrack shit for yeah. that. Yeah. Um. But then sort of like didn't do anything of it. it sort of dabbled with, with Tamsin P a little bit on the odd occasion. And mm. he was getting right into it, making beats. And we made like one or two together. Um, but i never thought much of them and so just sort of went well nah djing and that's my what i'm good yeah. at um but then recently sort of got the bug to make beats and shit again um after sort of winning the dmc i was yeah. just like well i've proven that i can do this so i think maintaining i think getting to a certain level of something is harder than staying at that level yeah, true. so my th- thinking was right. Well, I'm at the Australian champion now. I've gotten that title. So now, as long as I just practice more than I practiced last year, there's no way I can regress. I, mm. can, I can't go back. Um, so I was like, well, if I just keep practicing, I can. I've got. I can cut down my practice time and just start making. Fuck, sorry, that's fucking that's Um Can make beats and shit. So I bought an MPC um, mainly because. I want it to be use the same kit that Primo and shit use I yeah. want it to be one of those mad cunts that yeah. you you know like fuck it, I'm not MPC man I don't <laughs> use that door shit like but I fucking ash Ableton all the time man like yeah. it's, fucking I use it so much Yeah, but Ableton's the, Ableton's the best, shit man but like I just like I was, as I was saying to you boys before I when I get into like production mode and I want to make beats because it's no, I just want to make boom bap shit like mm, large yeah. professor that's yeah, the yeah. blueprint for my oh, right. beats yeah, and anyone sorry. who's yeah. heard my sets like yeah. I rinse large pro beats That's all I want to sound like is large professor. Um, So if I've like got the internet hooked up to the computer or whatever, and I can be distracted by YouTube or Mm. a rhythm roulette, rhythm roulette's a killer. I'll just go like, "What does kids here using? (laughs) This motherfucker's got a weird looking dog. Like, I'm not (laughs) not, not sold on this dude. Like, like." So I just, I had to come up, use something to try and isolate it and go yeah. like, this is what I'm doing for the next hour or whatever. I yeah. turn, leave the phone on the other side of the room, turn it off mm. and, and sort of that shit. And I'd tried it twice before in my life. Like this is the third NPC I've owned. Yeah, and the right. first time when I've owned it, I've actually like given it a fair whack yeah. of trying it. Like I yeah. had a 1000 first and then sold that because I needed to fund some project at the time, maybe a battle or something to get to a battle then I had a 2500 and swapped that with a mate for like a fucking half a crate of Aussie hip hop wax that oh, he nice. had that was mad like just dopest shit that oh, I shit. fucking really wanted um and then uh got this most recent one which I actually bought off insidious yeah oh, oh you ended up yeah, picking up was, his well, so one, he posted that one on on his insta yeah, or whatever no shit. and um I sort of had been thinking about it at the time and it sort of lay dormant for a fucking couple of months and then uh, tax return rolled in. Yeah, and like went on his Instagram. I was like, "Oh, it's still up there." Like, yeah. I'll hit him up. Maybe, maybe he's still got it. And he anyway, was like, "Yeah, man, I still got it." Like, done. I'm like, fuck, bro. I'll transfer the money tomorrow. Like, done. Yeah. He fucking sent it down, man. And like, I've just been on that thing ever since. Like, that was a
1: fucking steal, man. Well. I was, that was a diet. He's got like it had like yeah, it's got all man. The I got cords. I got cords shit.
2: falling out my ass, man. Like all <laughs> these patch cords and shit, yeah. like. And, but it was dope because it was all like labeled like MIDI left and right, like yeah. MIDI in, MIDI out, like yeah. all this shit. And I was just like – because I didn't know about – like I'd, I hadn't really fucked with MIDI before getting this thing other than USB MIDI, which yeah. m- I mean MIDI nowadays is so easy. You plug it in and it comes up with the, the mm. signal it's sending and you yeah. assign it to that and it's easy. But then doing it from the MPC with the old – cables and having to send and receive the signal and shit like all the cables were labeled man he's they're organized dude in serious man like so i was stoked to get that like had a couple of mods and shit on it as well so like i've just been trying to get wrap my head around that that beast which has been frustrating but very fun at the same time yeah
1: they definitely have like a specific sound as well that you can't really get out of like Adore like yeah, Ableton or something, you know? They've got that swing that you just cannot replicate. Mm. Yeah. Um, yeah. Fucking mental.
0: So we got a few of your um, features from discography. Yeah. Um, Jaws on the Royals 95. Oh, no, with Down Pat. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the Real Ones on Big's Soap. Yep. Scum soap Lures, scum, yeah. Soap Scum. Yeah. Four Course Meal and Heaters Executions. Move It on Rusty Jux featuring DJ Tubar.
2: Oh, no, sorry, uh, Move On It, was the, the that was the track that I was on, but 2 Buck was on the A side of oh, that yeah. release. I can't remember what that, that track was called. Um, yeah. But, yeah, then my, my, I was just on a, on the B side, just like my cuts with Rusty's verse yeah, right. and, and Checker's beat.
0: Why well, You Risked It on Checkmate's Vision album. Yeah, that was a good and one. And working with Traz on Escape from Alcatraz. You yeah. all the cuts on that. Yeah. Um, so like, yeah, have you got any highlights from...
2: Um, Oh, look for me i think when i listen to all the all the projects now um why you wrist it still sticks out as yeah. one of my favorites because like do, doing that cut was probably one of the easiest things i've ever done because when i had the beat and the verse or whatever oh so the beat in the track i think it was just um cuz that's the one with bigfoot at the end bigfoot's on that yeah, one i think so yeah sorry no he is yeah, so I I originally had just heard a version with, I think, Checkers and Guts, yeah. and, and but that sample was, Checkers had programmed that sample um. into the hook, and when I heard it, I was just like, man, that sample is so fucking perfect, like, you don't need anything else, just yeah. like, give me that sample, I'll just do, like, whatever cuts, and... That that I reckon, man, that's the fucking banger. Like, I oh, couldn't shit. I couldn't pick be- a better sample to sit over that beat.
3: Yeah.
2: Mm. Um. And you know, I like, got it off him. Probably uh, it took me a day or two. Quickly banged them together. Did did it was one that I sort of when I started to rein back my cuts a lot because I think that one was was just after I'd finished all the ill format recording for oh. the ill format stuff. I believe. Yeah, right. Okay. And I was sort of, sort of. Th- thinking trying to think about how where i wanted my scratch style to go for mm. recording and stuff and so i sort of made a conscious decision after the ill format stuff to take a less is more approach yeah. to stuff and you know like don't do five cuts when two cuts will do mm. type type deal and since taking that approach i've been a lot more satisfied in the stuff yeah. that I, i've listened to yeah um not, you know, like ill format cuts, still some of my fucking favourite cuts mm. I've ever done is on that fucking release. But I definitely, because it was a debut release for for me and for mm. our crew, I definitely felt like, well, I've got to fucking come out guns blazing yeah. and prove to, you know, not necessarily like, I'm fucking, re- you know, mates with the dudes from like, that are active in the scratch scene now, but more so I really wanted to prove it to like the older, you yeah. know, like the older heads of yeah. like... I can layer samples. I can do this this cut shit properly, mm. and not just be another sort of flash in the pan DJ. You know, to sort of show I wanted to prove that I was serious about the shit that I was doing. And I sort of feel after that release and four course meal and then the DMC and shit, like mm. you know, like who's gonna tell me now that I haven't fucking proven that I'm no pre-
0: fairly serious about
2: the the craft? Yeah, straight yeah.
0: up. So, we'll format for those who don't know is Crave Tamsin P and DJ Woolsey. So how did the link up with those two come to Formula Format and whose idea was to make the album? Um, That was... We'd all known each other since we were, like,
2: sort of early, very early teens. I I grew up playing basketball with Mm -hmm. Crave. We're on the same basketball team. Um, And then uh, Tamsin P, I met him at high school, like, year year seven, I think. Like, we're at Q High. Together. Yeah right. Um, yeah, so I, I met I met Tammy um, just at school, you know, like just being kids running around doing whatever. I um, wasn't didn't really wasn't really mate friends with them until a bit later because I was more obviously more of a metalhead and mm. and um, for lack of a better term was a fucking nerd as well. I'm, massive, <laughs> I'm still am massive video game head and video mm. game nerd. Like, man, I got fucking Boba Fett tattooed on yeah, my fucking yes. leg, it's like, like yeah. massive Star Wars freak. Um, but so, like, I didn't really get onto the whole social tip until, like, you nine, year ten, and shit, and that's when, you know, like, I started hanging out with Tammy and a few other, like, dudes from around, you know, in a Hursty line. Yeah. Um, and, you know, we'd start drinking together and smoking mm-hmm. together and, you know, painting or whatever, and, um... But it was, like, so it, the Ill Format stuff, we obviously, you know, we're in a all in a graph crew together, IF. Yeah. And mm-hmm. then as that sort of started to, um you know, dry up or whatever dudes just sort of started getting into other stuff and not wanting to paint as much anymore.
3: Yeah.
2: Um, but Tammy was um, you know, always rapping and, and, you know, like making beats and always heavy into the music and shit. And as I said before, like did a trip where he went over to Europe for a bit, came back with like fifty copies of an album he'd done, like yeah, out of the far. blue, like which is under Dam uh, under Damn Proud, which is another name that he had, but yeah. it's a fucking dope dope fucking release, man. Like really yeah. dope, um, and very. I think because of the name change, a lot of people don't realise that it exists yeah. as well, because obviously, like the I don't know whether Discogs is updated as you know Temps and P, aka mm. Damn Proud or whatever. Yeah. Um. uh So he was always into it, and then Crave obviously was just like you know. Slugging away, painting, working, painting, working the whole time. And then I think got into, he was the one that got me into digging wax and shit. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, he started collecting it and shit. And then when I started getting into, you know, like graph and hanging out with him a bit more and and whatever, um, he was already buying a lot of Aussie wax and New York wax and just like LPs and shit. And so I was just like, oh, I want to fucking get in on this Mm. sort of thing. And so I started buying wax because of him. And then I started doing the DJ thing and we were all sort of like doing it. All for a while individually before we came together and yeah. and and sort of crewed up, I guess. Mm. Um, like Tammy had done two or three releases, I believe, before the ill format stuff with with other labels and stuff like that. Yeah, right. Um, as well as like you know, while the ill format stuff's going on, he's doing a lot of work with uh, JXN Records as well with Willie Dynamo and. Yeah. Um, our uh, engineer Ra Double as well. who makes a lot of makes a lot of beats as well for those uh, for mm. those dudes. Was um, he the
1: engineer for? The he was of... the dude that mixed oh, and mastered yeah. the no the, the whole shit. thing.
2: Yeah, Ra Double. He's <laughs> he, and he's the dude that uh, sort of gave me the word up on the MPC as well. Like he yeah. he runs the four thousand and he's a fucking wizard on this fucking yeah. four thousand man. Yeah. Like, um. But yeah, man. He, so he mixed and mastered the whole the whole thing except for cycles, which I'm pretty sure must yeah mixed and mastered that joint yeah he did the production on and he made and he made the, he made the yeah. beat as well yeah. on that one too yeah. um so and then you know uh crave obviously before the format stuff was work doing a lot of shows with retainer and yeah. doing you know like he did the connection with yeah. um with uh the, you know the 30 um, yeah 30 that, or i think that MC. might have been the first
1: time i ever heard Crave, yeah, I, I, think I th- it was. that might have. Is
0: that the one with Shem wrapping it up? Yeah, 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 yeah.
2: That might have been. I could be wrong, and I should know this for the. So sorry, dude, for the diss, But <laughs> I think that was his first thing, Reported like the first thing that was put out. Yeah. With Wait, if that's him. the
1: first thing that you fucking recorded, like big ups. That's yeah, yeah, and he, um, that's mantle.
2: I certainly am. am favorable to his verse on that, on that song. I think yeah. it's one of the better ones. Yeah. Definitely. Um, and then Crave, uh, started, you know, worked with, um, with Traz a little yeah. bit for Traz's, mm. uh, EP did that. I think it was, what Swimming with Sharks or something? I yeah. think it was called. Yeah. Um, that they did a clip for, and that was, I think a bit before, again, before the Ill Format stuff. Yeah. So we'd all sort of been doing our own thing and I'd always, but, but obviously doing the DJ thing, unless you've got rappers to give you an excuse to get behind them and scratch. Yeah. You don't really get a chance to do it because I didn't want to DJ just, for, you know, any old yeah, dude. Man. And I'd been hit up by dudes, you know, like other guys. And oh like, you know, I need a DJ, blah, blah, blah. Or, oh, there was one dude that I, that I got that was fucking hilarious that he hit me up and he's just like, yeah, man. So I'm starting to get like these sort of views on YouTube and, um, you know, like I wanna, I wanna D, add a DJ to my lineup that's, you know, like gonna, you know, be able to compete with my level of success and sh- and shit like that. And I was yeah. just like, yeah, bro, sorry, like <laughs> I'm getting ready for DMC and shit, yeah. man. Like, I, yeah. no good, you know. Like I'm not, no, I'm not gonna be straight out rude to someone, but fuck me, dead. I was yeah. just like, dude's a fucking tool,
1: yeah. like <laughs> the ego, I, something. yeah, mm. a little bit, a
2: little bit, and like. Um, and he ended up getting uh, another dude that I know DJing um, who, you know, is right for the for the job and stuff, but his style and stuff, I don't get down with his his style of rapping or whatever, but mm. um, I didn't want... The point of what I was saying is I didn't want to just DJ for anybody. Yeah. I really wanted to DJ for, for a sound that mm. I liked and I backed 100% and yeah. that, um, you know, that I... Mainly stuff that I would listen to. So, you know, like... When I did um, like Sinks, that was fucking awesome because mm. I'm a massive fan of Sinks. That um, yeah. Cold Fury, fucking yeah. hell, one of my favorite oh, albums of all time, yeah, man. That's, that's that, that's that combo it. of him and Oath, like, yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yes. is ridiculous. Yeah. Um, Retainer, man, Valley of Black Daisies, when I was a teenager, that mm. shit was fucking so dope. Like, when he was on Pang. Yeah, yeah. Um, man, I love that fucking album, man. That shit was dope. So, you know, getting him to hit me up. They're doing mm. for him. That was ill. Yeah. Um, and then obviously I mentioned the, the KK one yeah. as well. Um, but the ill format one, that it's sort of I get a different feeling. I feel more ill format yeah. shows because it was something that us three started yeah, from, from sure. scratch. And like like with Kings Connected, I always feel like Kings Connected is Dantes and Culprit. Yeah,
1: yeah. And yeah. It,
2: regardless of if I do end up doing every show that they've they've got, you know, for the rest of whatever. Mm. Kings Connected is Dante's yes. and culprit. And yeah. then I am I fit fit in where I get in. Sorry. Yeah. I get in where I fit in. Yeah. yeah. Um, but with Ill Format, it's for me, it's ill format is us three. Yeah. And sure. so for me, like that's why you'll see at Ill Format shows, I'll get a bit more mouthy on the mic. Yeah. And like yeah. got no problem talking a bit of shit mm. and, and whatever, because it's something that us three started together yeah. and we're all. On the exact same wavelength of what we want to, you know, what we want to do and what we want to
0: achieve with yeah, yeah. Uh, with the crew. So, any talk or floating around for another album? Um,
2: yeah, that we're 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 um we're working on shit. The, the I guess the um we'd like to do an album that yeah. would be ideally the next sort of big project coming out of the all format camp would be an album, ideally. Um, but that being said, like we're all doing so much. Yeah. Like just on our, on our own bout, like I know Crave's working on, um, like an EP or maybe even like two EPs with yeah. some artists, with, you know, like him and some other dudes, um, that, that, you know, is fucking dope from the, the little snippets that I've heard. Yeah. So I know he's working on some shit. I know uh, Tamsin P's working on some, um, some other stuff as well. Yeah. Um, and then obviously I've been doing this, the HG stuff. Yeah. Yeah. um, and then doing the, the battle stuff and, and a bit more sort of the DJ work at this end of the year as well. So yeah. it's, um, we've all got our other shit to do, but luckily we're getting, cause it's sort of summer coming up mm. and like, I've got the NPC and I've like really going to lock myself in the room yeah. and, make, and make some beats. So I'm hoping that at the back end of summer I've got, you know, at least a folder worth that I can Fuck send yeah. to the two boys and yeah, go no, like, well, do you like any of them? Yeah. yeah. You know, like, yeah. Yeah. And yeah. see what, see what happens from there. But, um, Look, we might, I don't know, might, we might do another video for, for something, yeah. something new, something old, I don't know. It's always like, we're, we're, we're very loose in our ideas. We we'll yeah. just sort of chuck shit out there when we're having beers. or like, Yeah, that'd be dope, that'd be mm. dope, that'd be dope. And then mm. like, we've got our mental memories, like 30 ideas of shit that would be dope to do. And then- yeah. We just never we don't get around to doing any, any of them because we're, we're tossing out but um there'll be definitely be more shit in um you know in twenty twenty for sure. Yeah. For sure.
1: Fuck yeah. How long were you guys working on the self-titled? Um, I think it ended up being about two years. Yeah, right, okay.
2: About that, it was it was funny you mentioned like the timeline of that release because I remember when we sat down and we were like I remember vividly we were at Crave's joint in his living room, like, we've all been on the piss all night, and I think Tammy suggests, like, like right, by this September, we're going to yeah. have, it's going to be done, <laughs> yeah. like, it's sorted, whatever, and then it didn't <laughs> end up coming out until, like, two Aprils after that, yeah. like, or, or something to, to that effect, so... Yeah, yeah. It was, like, it, the idea was to get it done in, like, nine months mm. or a year or some shit, and then it ended up taking, like, two years, two and a half oh, years to do. It's
1: always like that, though. Um, and for such a, like, fucking well-rounded EP album, what is it? EP. EP, technically, EP, but yeah. it's... It's an album.
2: In 2019, it's hard It's hard to distinguish between yeah, because you can have six-track albums these yeah, days, yeah. according to some dudes, but... Mm.
1: But, yeah. yeah, it's, like, so well-rounded and, like, so well done that, I mean, it's it'd be hard if you guys did that in nine months or something, yeah. you know. Yeah, like... well, I
2: appreciate it, man. Thanks, because, like, you know, we our, our thing was not – we didn't care – well, not that we didn't care if anyone bought it, but we would just, like, especially me, me and Crave having discussions at length of going, like, looking at our music collections. Said, you know, he has a massive CD stash, and, yeah. you know, obviously me, uh, both of us have – Hefty wax collections, yeah. yeah, and just going like seeing all these local artists and shit, and just going, I want to have one of our mm. CDs yeah. like in yeah. there, yeah. like professionally done. Yeah, and that's why with the CD, that's why we went jewel case because growing up, buying CDs, it was always the jewel case that yeah, had 100%. a, a fold out yeah. thing that had yeah. some lyrics and, yeah. and you know yeah. some bonus flicks or yeah. whatever and shit in there. So it's why it just little touches like that, and it was just because we wanted to, yeah, fully see our yeah. project and shit on the wall in our collections and other people's collections amongst the likes of Nuff Said, Pang, Authentic, Uncut, like Mm. all these dudes and like getting it out, we were like fucking like sick and we were like, I I ashed it so, that CD so much that like listening to it now. It's like, yeah like we can skip a couple of tracks because yeah. <laughs> I, I, I know like I, I don't want to hear my cuts anymore yeah, on that yeah. thing I'm sure the boys are like that with their own verses and shit yeah. and don't want to listen to their own shit but it's funny we had one of the um, the old crew come down and visit from from Byron Bay mm. and he uh, would always tell us how there was that one joint Paradise I think yeah, on, the, on, yeah. the, on the release that like He'd he drive over this hill in Byron Bay and he could see the beach and he'd put paradise on his yeah, scene. Yeah. And he, like, where, he comes down to visit, we have beers and go out or whatever. And I'm driving us home. So like, put on the EP, put on the EP. I'm like, cunt. It's the last thing I want to listen to now. Like, I want just like and I think Lazy Grey's album had just come out like a couple of days before. So I'm just like, fuck that, I'm listening to Lazy Grey. Like, no way. And he's just like, put on the fucking format album. And so like and it definitely, that happens a lot with, with the crew as well and mm. the extended crew of, like, a lot of guys. Like, it's, they they love the release and, yeah. and fucking really connect with it. And, but they want to hear it. when And I'm just like, that's all the last thing I want to hear yeah, is, like, yeah. my cuts and, like, especially, like, Iron Fists and shit. Like, I could go... The rest of my life and not listen to those scratches again, yeah, because it's just like it's the marathon song every time we call every time we rehearse and shit and we go to do a live, it's the marathon because j the j t and Tammy have got such long verses yeah. in those joints, and then the cuts are like, I think it's three sixteens worth of, yeah. worth of cuts and oh. shit. Like, and because I do all my shit live, I've had to like sequence everything so it's mm. perfect. So if I get one thing throw one thing out of time, then yeah. everything that comes after is gonna be out of time. Yeah. Like, the fuck. Some of this shit's a bit of a headache to perform, but I wouldn't have it any
0: other way. Yeah, fucking oath. Nice. So, is there any talk of getting it pressed on wax? <laughs>
2: We've, we we. Every time after the six beer mark, yeah, you
0: know, it's yeah.
3: always
2: brought up. Like, yeah. where the fuck are we doing it to a seven? Like, it's, <laughs> yeah. But it's, I mean, I think we, we went through stages of wanting to, maybe with, with a single on each side. But I think with the, t- the amount of distance we've had from, si- sorry, since that release has come yeah. out, that I think if we're going to go down the wax route, I think we'd want it to be with some newer stuff yeah, because sure. I think well I know my scratches and stuff like that have yeah. gotten a lot better since that release. Mm. And listening to the boys' verses that I've heard just in the studio and shit, they're constantly leveling up every time mm. they write another verse, they're, you know, trying to outdo their last one. Mm. So I, I think that we'll probably we'll definitely do wax because it's a bucket listing for yeah. for all three of us and two of us haven't done it yet. Yeah. Yeah. Um but I, it'll probably be with whatever is the next yep. project or, or whatever comes out, yep, you know, cool. in the
1: future. Fuck yeah. Kane Yeah. keen for that for sure. It would be good. Mm. Wax
2: would be, that's the, the grand finale yeah, of, yeah. of releases once yeah. you got all your wax, like it's done. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. Be happy. So you've been involved with some hip hop workshops. Uh, can you talk about that? Are you still doing anything like that? Or? Um,
2: I did a a couple of workshops in I guess the loosest term. Yeah. Um, they were we did little scratch jam sort of workshop stuff down at a graph shop in Frankston called State of the Art oh, that sick. was run by um sins. Yep. Um where uh, uh Deadly and um uh Pierre DJ Pierre from down in Frankston uh would sort of bring their turntables into the store and mm. for a whole Saturday would just you know, anyone could f- open turntable so you can get up, have it, a- give it a shot, whatever. Um, so I started just going to those because I just wanted to meet other scratches. And that's how I got to know, um, deadly. And a lot of the, the Frankston connect that, that I've got, you know, like we do is like Traz and Pierre yeah. and, and those dudes, um, came from going down to those jams and, you know, like I just pack up, I had this like shitty little hatchback at the time and just like yeah. put a turntable, but you know, two turntables and mixer in there and just like, Oh, do you need an extra set of decks? Like mm. sweet, let's set them up like yeah. done. Um, we do them and you know, like heaps of the local rappers and stuff would come out, um, to them. So we'd always go into a part where we, you know, just juggle intros and mm. dudes could have a spit or whatever. Um, and then there was one where trials came down and he oh, brought man. his, um, MPC and was just like triggering beats live and shit while we we're all scratching. Oh, and like, I've got some flicks somewhere. I was doing some scratch routine or whatever. And there's like a photo of trials and heater behind me, just like making stink face. And I was just <laughs> I seeing someone put it up on Instagram, just going like, yeah, fucking yeah. i yeah. got trials on board. Like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, man, like that. So those little things were dope. Um, I'd like to do a lot more of that kind of stuff. Like yeah. I've always like been a, de- a relatively decent sort of teacher when, mm-hmm. when, you know, I teach people about scratching or, yeah. or whatever. Um, and it's something that I'm going to probably start doing over the summertime. Yeah, like this it. summer, is start taking on students for, yeah. for scratching or like more battle relay. Like I don't want to teach debt mixing and, yeah. and that sort of stuff because there's fucking YouTube tutorials and they ask for that stuff. But, um, like if there's anyone that's particularly interested in scratching or maybe like recording scratching or, or, or that sort of stuff, um, I want to, you know, you know, help, mm. help people out and, yeah, you know, sure. um, so it's something that I would definitely look at getting into for sure.
0: Sick. Yeah. So we're noticing, the like well, quite a big resurgence, resurgence in bap hip hop coming out of Australia. Uh, definitely this year, there's been some fucking really dope releases. Um, What's your views on the current state of the scene and where it's going? <laughs>
2: um, Clear <throat> uh, it the pipes for this one. Yeah. <laughs> um, look, it's, I, th- I thought it might be a bit like yes. that. <laughs> it's an interesting time. Yeah. While I think there's two... Uh, me, personally, I'm, t- I'm torn between... Two two schools of thought of for me, there's stuff that I don't necessarily fuck with that is blowing up to a ridiculous extent mm. to the point where they've got Kanye-esque fan base <laughs> that if you say anything, no matter how valid the point you may be, but if you disagree with them or said artist, yeah, you're a fucking hater and you don't know <laughs> shit. Like, yeah. and that's the shit I cannot stand. Yeah. yeah. Um Granted, this year, I think on the bap shit, the stuff that I like because I've been trying to shift it and not focus so much on the shit I dislike mm. and more pay attention to the shit that I do like and give props to that shit. We've had a quietly strong year, like a mm. year that I, I think not a lot of people sort of thought that a lot of the albums and stuff that came out would come out. You know, like your Lazy Grey yeah, album, yeah. Bias B, doing yeah. back burners, and yeah. then doing the Wax Drop for Aerosol Era, yeah. Yeah. which I know was one that I've been waiting for for a fucking yeah, long fucking time. Yeah. Nice. Um, was I think did dialect and must was that technically twenty nineteen or was nah, I think that
1: was end of la- end of last year?
2: Of last yeah. Year. Well, I, I still. But he's it. had
1: all this shit. That you know, mean, he's done. Yeah, exactly, like, so yeah, they're doing so all that fish. shit. Yeah. You know,
2: they had uh, Fisherman Friends. Yeah. yeah. You know, there's been a lot of sick releases out there. Yeah. Um. You know, all of Insidious stuff that mm. he's been involved with. Insidious's that dude, That dude's stuff probably like one of my favourite producers yeah, in the country. 100%, like, 100%. anytime he's on any project, if it's with Lazy Grey, I know it's worth paying the fucking money for the wax. Yeah, I'll tell you that much straight away. Oh, yeah. Without even <laughs> hearing, a, hearing a promo <laughs> loop or anything, if it's yeah. those two, I'm fucking buying it. Yeah, yeah. Um, But just anything that that dude's on, man, like, I'll give it a listen and buy it. i mm. generally buy it and it's fucking dope, man. It is. Like, yeah. I, I rate Insidious' beats yeah, highly, man. Up. Like, um, Because he's still got that Like, I still love sampling, and I've got utmost respect for dudes that do the the instrumentation, live instrument Mm. thing. Yeah. But my inspiration for for making beats and what the beats that I want to make comes from sampling and and that shit. And hearing our sample... The him put samples and shit together, yeah. especially when he does his little uh, Instagram videos where mm, he does yeah, like yeah. He, he puts them up on SoundCloud and then puts a little teaser <laughs> up of it or whatever.
1: Yep, yeah. and he hits all the and he's triggering and he does like a little intro with the OG
2: sample and then fucking brings the drums in and shit like
1: that. Shit's fucking ill, man. And then when
2: the him and Dantes does the odd one as well, he went through a phase where they were they were pretty regular, and I was just like, fucking Donny, man. Like God, he's another dude. And you know another NPC ahead, which I think mm. is why I, I'm attracted to dudes that that structure their beats like that and come up with their beats like that. Yeah. Um, but look, back to the main point. There, there's a lot of dope shit that is is coming out, but there there is also a lot of stuff that I don't particularly fuck with. Yeah. That I get. I understand why other people fuck with it because mm. they, you know, certain elements of it, whether it's the you know lyricism or, or whatever. Uh, that it resonates with them. It just doesn't with me.
3: Yeah.
2: Um. Uh, particularly some of some of the, the double time mm. stuff. I yeah. think the emphasis is put on the fact that it's double time rather than coming up with a verse that is unique or... You yeah. know, and this isn't knocking dudes that do double time shit because I love a lot of double time stuff I fucking get mm. down with. But I still think... There's, there's a few dudes that do, that do it that it's not, there's no uniqueness to it. Yeah. it. It's just sort of they're doing double time because they have the ability to double time. And yep. it's like the equivalent of, you know, like I guess Buster Rhymes was pretty guilty of it back in the day of having mm. tracks where he just go do that multi, yeah, really yeah, quick thing yeah. that it was, you know, it's like if you sort of did it for a bit and yeah. then went out of it it would yeah. emphasize when you do do yes. it all that, all that much I know exactly you don't need it. to you yeah. know like it's like adding too much sugar onto it onto your fucking cereal at yeah. a certain point you're gonna fuck your cornflakes if you <laughs> yeah. if you put a you know a
1: bag of sugar on
2: it yeah whereas if you just give it a little sprinkle it just it's just enough you know it's <laughs> like,
1: not only that then your fans like as a double time spitter like buster rhymes or some shit your fans end up only liking that you do that thing and that it puts you in a box where that's the only You're thing a that double you time. Do.
2: Yeah, that's your pigeonhole. Is yeah. the double time spitter list and you're you're in that category. Yeah. And yeah. I think there are there are a few dudes that I think have have been able to tow that in and out of that that world and can do double time shit and then come back to yeah. you know do boom bap shit. And of course I want to be super biased and saying Bigfoot's always been awesome at that because mm. he's yeah. Always done fast rap, and yeah. and not a lot of dudes in Australia do experiment with that fast rap shit. Yeah. Um. I mean, one of the most recent ones I've heard is fucking Komodo. Fucking yeah, yeah. Doing Komodo. it. What's that?
1: Um. Break it down. Yeah. Break it down on his uh, intuition. Yeah,
2: man. That AP. that joint, yeah. like,
1: it's fuck. I remember. I remember putting <laughs> it in. Favorite, like, man, I, like
2: I had heard it for a bit, and I was just like, fucking hell. I'm just like, I, I, because I didn't. It was before I knew who Komodo was, actually. Yeah. And so I'm like, fuck, this is like some fucking Big Daddy Kane, like yeah. fucking beat. It came up in my Serato at 105 BPM. i like, yeah. what the fuck? Like, <laughs> and then as soon as I saw that speed, I'm like, oh, well, this isn't going to be anyone from Australia. No chance. No way. And then, like, fucking Komodo comes yeah. in. And I was just like, what the fuck? Like, <laughs> not only do I fucking, is this an Aussie dude, but I know this dude. Like, yeah. I've seen him at fucking shows and yeah, shit. Like, yeah. and so that was like- I was like, that was fucking ill. Like, and mm. I love like, any, like, that's like Bigfoot and Dielectrics, man. He's yeah. another dude that that fast rap, like yeah. 105 yeah. to 110.
3: Yeah.
2: Insanity, man. Yeah. Just insanity. And I, I, I like listening to that stuff over double time over at 70 BPM, you know, yeah. like,
3: yeah,
2: yeah. Um, because I think if you can do that, like, really rapid fire shit, not only do you have to come up with these bars, but. Breath management. Oh yeah, yeah. because I've heard rappers, and it was like one of during one of my first acid trips, like when I was a teenager. (laughs) I was sitting there listening to Percy P. Yeah, and for some reason, my ears were just honing in on breaths, not on what he was saying at all. All my (laughs) ears were hearing were just like "Ah, those little breaths (laughs) that he was taking in between. And then ever since then, I was just like, anyone doing over hundred BPM, like you, you need to learn how to breathe around what you're fucking saying. Yeah, and like. And aside from that, like just the feeling you get when it's a fucking quicker fucking joint, and some yeah. dudes just going, you're just yeah. it's just mind blowing, man. You can't man, not
1: like fucking bob your head. Yeah, it's fucking
2: shit, oath. Yeah. And me, like I also because with rap, like I'm such a big fan because I can't do it at all. Like yeah. I am the worst fucking rapper. I, like I've written one verse ever, and yeah. and probably lent on it at parties for a couple of years. You yeah. know, like. And just quickly went like, yeah, no, nah, that's not my my thing. Like yeah. I've always joked with Crave about us doing a, a track where we swap, yeah, like, <laughs> you, know, you know, like yes. Ice T and um and Evil E did, like <laughs> yeah, um, that'd but, be fucking awesome. But it'd be fucking actually. hilarious because I've like I'll sit there and I'm like, you know, if I've got you know giant steps something or footprint, not footprints, um uh nights on the underground table, like oh, yeah. we cast some shit in the car. I was sitting there rapping along and just sit, thinking to myself at a red light, like, I'd make a fucking all right rapper. Like, <laughs> yeah. you know, like, I could fucking do this. <laughs> yeah. And then, like, and then I'll be at a, at a live show and shit and seeing, like, the best thing is when I see, like, dudes fuck up and they dig themselves out of a hiccup in yeah. their verse yeah. and yeah. get back on. And that's the shit for me when I, like, because I can do it with scratching and shit and, pe- and rappers have told me, like, man, I heard that mistake and then you get out of it, like, I don't know how you did that. Doing it with like your voice and your thought because those times I tried to freestyle and ended up saying the same bar like 10 times over because you can't think of fucking anything because yeah. you're a shit rapper. <laughs> that like so when I see dudes fucking fuck up and then dig themselves out of that hole, that's the most impressive thing to me. And I just go, mm. I sit back in awe and go, mm. and like for years. I like thought that Big Daddy Kane one was real. You know mm. the one where he drops the mic mm. and shit, yeah. he picks it up. Is like I oh, yeah. dropped the mic and I'll, still make I'll, it look good. Oh, yeah. no, and shoot. for years I was just like, dude, such a sick. he didn't mean to do it. Yeah. And so I was like, Are you fucking serious? <laughs> like, you know, you, he's got that whole thing set up to yeah. say that. Then for, like, oh should I dropped the mic and then have this thing and get that. Whoa! Nah, he
1: played it off so well. Yeah. Like, oh
2: man, like it was so dope. But yeah, man, like. I've got such a respect for rappers, like, because I can't do it. Yeah. Like, I just... I've, and I've tried, like, I fucking tried my hardest as well, especially, like, when... Um, I don't know if you guys ever heard of Lisk. Yeah. I oh, remember, yeah. Lisk, I like, yeah. so those joints that, that... That was, like, early days of me getting mm. into hip-hop. Yeah, same. <laughs> that was the shit I was listening yeah. to, man. Lisk. Yeah, like, LBK. Like, man, out like, that shit, like, those covers of CNN fucking beats and, and yeah. shit... I learnt that shit back to front so yeah. I'd, be, I'd be sitting in there on the train at like 16 with my iPod in just like bumping like 6 feet deep and yeah. and yeah. then till now and shit just yeah, going like red. yeah I'm fucking about it <laughs> like, in my like 6 month short stint as an ash, like yeah. wearing tans and shorts <laughs> yeah. and then we're like fuck this I'm not I'm I'm not an ash man yeah. like I'm just I'm a fucking stoner man I just want to be left alone in my fucking in my hole and yeah, just scratch fun, and play video games man like, Yeah, but yeah, so like, yeah, man, I love, but yeah, like Lisk, man, I can't believe fucking, I haven't, I haven't thought about those tracks. (laughs) Fuck no, Oh, man, that's taking me back when I was like, I can't hear that CNN beat either. Like, uh, I can't (laughs) remember what the actual track's called, but that fucking beat without just immediately hearing that Lisk verse (laughs) in my head, like,
3: Oh,
2: oh straight away, that was. Yeah, man, no, that and Hit
1: Never Miss—they yeah, were the, the yeah. ones that started it. Like, damn, Hit Never Miss is such a fucking <laughs> and Looms out. on the beat, man. Like
2: <laughs> Looms, there's a dude that like is not ver- not mentioned a lot, but his fucking rhyming ability and mm-hmm. production, man, like. Is fucking phenomenal, man. He did all the graphic design work on our release. Like oh, did, no the, shit. Did, the, did the layout yeah. and the booklet design and yeah, all that right. sort of stuff. He's a man of many talents, yeah. man. But like his, he um it was part of the Helburnians, um yeah. okay. and stuff like yeah. that. Yeah. yeah. And but man, he his raps and 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 production, man. He's like one of, he's like you know like a flu, like a mm. dude that. Yeah at their peak of both things, excel at yeah. production and and rapping. Like um I don't know what like what made me bring up Looms. What well, the point I was saying, but yeah man, Looms is phenomenal. Yeah. Shout out to Looms man. Looms yeah. is fucking often slept on, but fucking he's he's the Don man. Man, so- I'm gonna have
1: to hit it up. Yeah, I wanna, yeah. Man. Gotta suss it.
2: Yeah man that first that Hell EP with um we guts yeah. retainer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um looms and selzy man that's that's fucking dope shit and all them fucking those videos them am spitting on triple r and top billing and yeah and yeah that was like i love those yeah was, i've hit up those a bunch of the, cipher
1: videos man they're the shit i've hit up a bunch of the helbernian shit but yeah i didn't realize looms, yeah man looms
2: is yeah. like um and he did a one of my favorite tracks of him of his he did a verse on sammy scissors production album no shit um uh, which was the, the uh, a purple cover I can't remember what it was called but it was like an, a, a synonym for TDA I can't remember but Looms' verse or whatever the track was on that with, with Sammy Scissors beat on yeah. it yeah, withable man Looms <laughs> is fucking fresh
1: yeah fuck yeah yeah gotta hit it up yeah. one of my favourite um oh, what's it called YouTube thumbnails is one of the Hellburnians tracks um and it's just like guts. It's like this still shot of guts face.
2: Is it by the river? It might be yeah, the where like making some weird cooked face. Yeah, yeah. It's like, uh, <laughs> yeah, and super it's like cool. under a bridge and yeah, shit. Yeah, yeah. Under the uh, like bridge on Punt Road and shit. Yeah, 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 and he's got like this underbite. Like it's just the most awkward time it's of gold. the film clip. It's like gold. like it's I've noticed brilliant. that a few times actually. I've been meaning to say it, mention it to him, but always just one of those things you forget. Yeah, <laughs> I always get a chuckle out of that every time that
0: clip pops up. It's fucking gold.
2: That thumbnail's a
0: classic. <laughs> so, what's the future hold for DJ Woolsey?
2: Um, fuck, a whole lot of fucking PS4, probably. <laughs> honestly. Like, um, nah, what's your like, favourite game at the moment? Oh, I've been playing like Rocket League's been my main caper, like yeah, that true. car soccer shit. <laughs> yeah, like,
1: yeah.
2: It sounds juvenile as nah, fuck. No, that shit is but, fucking like, hard to play. I've been, like, I've been climbing up the ranks and I've just made <laughs> platinum this season. No like, shit. Like, and I've just bought myself, my f- like, a headset and shit. So, like, yeah. because I'm sick of typing, like, when dude, I'm getting... Because there's, like, a chat throughout the whole game. Yeah. And, like, dude, man, I bite on dudes that fucking try and wind me up so quickly <laughs> yeah. that I was like, fuck this, I'm going, I'm buying a mic, like, a headset and <laughs> yeah. shit because I'm sick of having to stop the game to type out this elaborate insult. And then send it <laughs> to him. Especially when the, the thing automatically blocks out certain words and shit. Yeah. Yeah. But a lot of Aussie slang, it doesn't. So the best one is like I can call dudes poofs and the the sensor thing doesn't do it out. doesn't, yeah. So dudes are like, the worst is copying OK Boomer from dudes that are like, obviously like 15, 16, and I'm like, I'm only 26, you fucking brat. Like, (laughs) man, I get like- I bite hook, line and sinker on these kids on the internet that try and wind me up when I'm having a shit game. Yeah. And, and like, to the point where I'll, I'll switch the game off. And my missus is sitting there just like reevaluating the relationship going like,
3: <laughs> fuck.
2: Like, he's, he's a fucking child. Like, look at this cunt. Like he's yelling at kids on video games. He's got a star Wars fucking tart on his leg and he's a fucking turntable nerd. Like, what am I doing? <laughs>
1: My favorite insult, you can have this one for free. It's not even mine. Um, shout outs country Tim if he ever listens to this. Uh he always used to just call people you rat dog cunt. <laughs> it's yeah, my rat dogs in my like favorite insult. like the,
2: the autofill thing. Yeah. Like if I do the letter R, I think rat dogs are one of the first three uh top uh, letter R words that I use. Um Also, like, Flog is in there a lot. (laughs) Yeah. And, um, but the best thing, like, since getting the mic and shit is, because I only play in, like, Aussie servers, a lot of the Aussie dudes I play against will, like, play after a few beers and shit. And my account name is fucking anyone that's on PS4, add me, like, straight up, couple of froths. Oh, fuck, And so, like, dudes just assume that I'm some massive bogan and shit, so I just play (laughs) into it as soon as I fucking get on the mic and just start talking shit. And then... the best is like the classic look what's your address mate like I'm (laughs) fucking you know like I'll come say what up and like there's an old mate of mine that was like no he had that mate in the crew that you were mates with him but he'd be Anytime you'd want to prank call somebody, it'd be this one, that one dude, yeah. like, because his reaction would just be classic. Yeah. His address has been sent to so many people on the internet f- <laughs> from Melbourne who have been like, oh, I'm fucking from Dandy, can't I come smash you? And I'm just like, yeah, just has got his house in Bourne, mate. I'll be out the front. And I don't even know if he lives there. I think his parents are just living there solo <laughs> now. man. Like, we, we used to, man, get like whorehouses calling up his house, like, oh, sorry, I've got to go. Like, can you call me back in 10 minutes? Sorry, I've got to go. Like, here's my number at 3 in the morning and give his his f- home phone number to them man, and, like, his parents would get, like...
1: They're just copping oh, it. Oh, <laughs> man. So bad. Hopefully they don't listen to this <laughs> podcast. I, I doubt they would <laughs> I haven't spoken to this
2: dude in a decade. Like, <laughs> fuck, it, it'd be rare, but fuck, it, it'd be hilarious. <laughs> I won't say the address because it's on the tip of my tongue now. Like yeah. I'm thinking about it. And yeah, it's, it was it. It's the address of when the coppers would pull you over yeah. and you didn't have an ID. Yeah. Like you always had that one fake address <laughs> you could remember all the time. And you go, where's the house? Oh, it's just down there, down these streets, blah, blah, blah. It's there. And you go, okay, whatever. Oh, off you go. That was why I remember it because it was my ticky yeah. uh, address. Like I live at fucking. Yeah. And it's even now, it's hard for, for me transits. not to fucking say <laughs> yeah, it now. Yeah, like. Yeah.
1: Yeah, man, but- um, Hey, spell, spell the couple of froths. C-U-P-L-A-F-R-O-F-F-S. Sweet, there you go, people. Everyone Hit else wants up. to
2: hustle me on PS4, fucking Rocket League or Destiny, mm. they're, they're my fucking- they're my two. And I'm Fuck pox, yeah. but you'll cop fucking endless abuse if you give me the shits, so. <laughs> I might have to get a PS4.
1: <laughs> <laughs> but uh,
2: hopefully, if I can control myself, I won't be playing much over the summer. It'll be beat making, but I don't like my chances. Yeah, that's yeah.
0: yeah. Nerd. Well, <laughs> thank you so much for coming through, no, David. Thanks Wolsey. for having us, man. It was awesome. Um, did you want to hit up your socials?
2: Um. Oh yeah, I guess that's the hip thing to do now. Do you want to? plug <laughs> Any, anything you want to plug? Um. Or? uh Instagram, Wolsey HG. Yeah. Um. I guess plug the the whole crew, checkers, Bigfoot, heater, uh, gaz hazard, Mexi, Bill Bunks, uh Tornski, uh, obviously ill format, Crave, Tamsin P, um, the fuckheads, Patty B, DJ Elevate, The Master, and uh DJ Osiris. Um, keep an eye out for the high grade release coming in 2020. Uh coming, you know, I'm assuming it'll probably come through BTE and, and whatnot. Um, yeah. That uh, there'll be new format shit. I'll be releasing my uh DMC like studio routine oh, of my video, yeah. uh, you know, like a re- proper recorded yeah. version of my video in the in the coming weeks slash months. Um, but yeah, like it's, I'm just gonna be locked away trying to trying to make a half decent loop, man. Like yeah, so if something, who knows, if I can come up with something dope, send it to a few people. There might be a fucking sum. Walls produced by DJ Wallsy credit on there, or maybe yeah, yeah. I'll do it under another name. <laughs> just to fucking fuck with guns.
1: Cup, couple of frost. Couple of yeah,
2: Fucking, yeah. <laughs> of, fucking
0: hell. Well, it's thanks crazy. for fucking battling through. There's a fucking 38 degree oh, day mate, in Melbourne. Yeah, it's, it's a bit of a hot hard. box in the studio. We're yeah. all dying to get out. Now, and now we know legs. what
2: fucking the Shire rec- records <laughs> yeah. probably go through. Yeah. Man, being up yeah. in Queensland in their hot. Box oh man, no, they like, no. they've got an aircon in their studio. Oh, man.
0: <laughs> one up
1: Yeah one up. Yeah. But yeah Thanks for uh, rolling through no, and cheers
2: for having us boys So, so sure Sweet
1: cool. Oh and also This is uh, Just to Recap This is the final episode For the season well, Season one Yeah so we're gonna We're
0: gonna take a little bit off We're the, gonna take
1: a break yeah. I'm moving out At some stage So this, I'm gonna move the Studio The studio's um, relocating Yeah But yeah We're hopefully gonna be back Like early 2020 Yep Set up something shoddy for the meantime until I built the studio at the new place yeah sure and uh yeah I'm
0: gonna start hitting up some people for next season yeah so. fuck yeah yeah stay tuned
1: have a great Christmas yeah. and summer in general peace peace